and into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-Earth strategy battle game podcast. The quest stands upon the edge of a knife. Stray but little, and it will fail, to the ruin of all. Yet hope remains while the company is true. Fantastic and very fitting for the theme today, really. So um, I, I suppose we should be... We'll be up front the first half of this show. So the intro and our many meetings is what day is it? It's Thursday the twenty fourth. So we're we're well just over twenty four hours away from uh, receiving our um, Quest of the Ringbearer books. But the second half of the show, uh, we will have our books because we will be doing a review. Um, so let's go through what's, what's coming up and that will make sense. So we've uh, many meetings coming up. So Dan and I will do our normal chatter about uh, all the things we've been up to since we last recorded. Um, and then after that, we will come back and we will do a full review of Quest of the Ringbearer. And uh, even if... Uh, um, the postman doesn't deliver on Saturday. I've pre-ordered the digital edition anyway, so that will be available at midnight uh, tomorrow. No doubt, I'll be up watching Damien and, and Steve's stream anyway, so that will pop pop up when I'm when I'm watching that. Um, and then after that, we have Sam versus Gollum in a heroic death match. Um, right, well, let's go for a little break, and we'll come back, and I'll let Dan speak then as well. Incom Gaming, the new centre for tabletop wargaming in Gloucestershire. Visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs. We stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the UK. Market-leading gaming mats from gamemat.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. And we're back after the break, and I will let Dan talk now. How's it going, mate? How's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, the world continues turning, which is good, and it's turned us a little closer to the new book, the quest for the, the quest of the Ringbear. Yes, uh, I'm so used to seeing it as an abbreviation at the moment, um, or you know, just a, a selection of small letters. <laughs> so weird saying it out in full. Do you have to say? Uh, it? Are you trying to say the acronym there? Yeah, I was. I thought about it, and I just thought, no. No, it's too late in the day for that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really, really good, though. Uh, we're nearly there, and there is a palpable sense of excitement in the community, which is lovely. Yeah. I mean, there's there are people who don't seem quite so happy with it, but they seem to be vastly outweighed with the people who are genuinely really excited, and I think that's wonderful. It seems to be far more uh, excited than um, Best of White Dwarf, which I suppose is fair, because there's... There's more to get your teeth into in terms of new content for the for the community, for the game. What we've had teased so far suggests there's an awful lot of cool new stuff in there. Yeah. To caveat, I haven't listened to uh, Jay on the Warhammer Community Podcast. I can't remember if you had. I have, yes, I have. Um, I haven't got around to it yet, unfortunately. It's very good. It's really, really good. And I'm, yeah, I'm like you. I'm 
super excited for it. So I've been lapping up any of the um, sort of teasers and, and information about it um, as and when I can. And because listening to audio while I work is something that's always welcome. Um, I made sure that that sort of went, that jumped a few things and got to the top of my podcast list. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was good having to listen to. Obviously, you know, by the time I got the book on, the, on Saturday, then I'll know those things anyway. But it was quite cool to, quite cool to hear. Um, yeah. I found it quite interesting as well. There's been a really, really good showcase of the Middle Earth hobby in within Games Workshop's channels. Yes, which I've really enjoyed. It's, it's given us, it's given the game a bit of an airing. Yeah, and I think I think that's quite apparent at the moment. It's its turn, isn't it? We we waited patiently as as 40k it came out, and I well, you're you're enjoying 40k yourself anyway. But um, as a community as a whole, people were pretty patient. Um, which was nice to see and I kind of understood I think most people understood that we would have our turn with releases and we you know we've had a few in a row now um, we don't know what's going to come there's been nothing else teased as there so we don't know if this the book will be it now for a while I feel it might be um, um, I suppose we've got um, they, they've teased um, um, Barleyman Butterbur and um, and Harry haven't they um, is it Harry why have I said Harry they've teased those so we, i suppose we'll have those releases to look forward to i imagine fairly soon um, i would be surprised if they uh dropped a preview for those tomorrow morning and forge world yeah that's a coincide pretty well with the oh yeah i always forget that forge world previews are a separate day aren't they so yeah, um, fridays absolutely. so i reckon they'll go for pre-order tomorrow that's that's cool. That would be cool if it did. Um, I'll be tempted. I might. I'm more likely to pick up the two rangers as well. I think um, when I know when those are going to be out, I was tempted to do it when I pre-ordered the book, and I thought, no, I don't need them at the moment. They're very much a next year project at some point, and they're not going to go out of sale. But I think. I, I'll be too tempted to pick up Barlyman. I want him too much. So um, I'm, they may well slip into the cart at the same point. Whether I do it tomorrow or not, I don't know. I might have to wait till I get paid at the end of the month. But um, but it, yeah, the excitement's good. We've all been patient as a community. It's our little time in the sun. It's always going to be a bit shorter than, than some of the, the larger systems. But um, lots to get our teeth into. Like you said, lots of positivity. Um, mostly positive. I've not seen, I've only seen one person actually comment that they weren't going to buy the book. And, and I don't know this person, but um, seeing them in the two main groups they don't think they like anything ever um but i won't call them out on a, on a podcast so it just made me chuckle when i saw it as well um but uh, most people have most people have been you know, really looking forward to it just you know like we talked about with the best of white dwarf review most people were positive about it few people thought it was you know not for them but again that's it was a different kind of market i did see another comment today someone mentioned they didn't didn't know if they knew what was in Best of White Dwarf beforehand, they wouldn't have bought it. And you know, it was, you know, when you went to pre-order it, you click on the description; it actually listed every single <laughs> article that was going to be in it. So, um, uh, I mean, they're supposed to we'll be read this more for it. Well, there is an element of go go go, uh, or at least there has been in the past with some of the uh, not just Middle Earth but general releases where if you don't get it quick, you're not going to get one. So, yeah. if you've got time for blurbs, just hit that buy now button. <laughs> get it done so, we haven't yeah, seen that happen with the book though have we? we we in other systems maybe so the obviously the horse heresy black book sold out in the first day but it wasn't in the first hour or so so i think most people that wanted it had the chance of of, of getting it we've not seen that with a with a with a book publication for um sbg as far as i'm well i can't remember it happening so i i don't know i didn't feel like there was a, a chance of it not being there um and what do you reckon happen on the on the saturday um 
Well, it's <laughs> well, it's been pre-ordered, isn't it? So you yeah. Know, so I don't see you know there wasn't a limited number of pre-orders. You can still pre-order it now. So I don't think there'll be an issue. The only thing we've seen go out of stock has been cards and dice, and um, and there's none of those on offer. No. Tomorrow. And and we saw Emma, which is I think was was a lot to do with. Um, just it being the first thing for a long time so just everyone was like new middle earth has got to buy it um and it's back in stock now anyway so it's oh, you know. i'm still convinced steve bought them all <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I, I don't think there'll be i don't think there'll be any issues i'm just really excited i'm really excited to um um i might not be paying as much attention to the to the stream as i say at midnight when they're drawing to a close at the end because uh, as soon as that's available um which will be at midnight i will be I'll be flicking through it and uh, probably be very, very tired on the Saturday. Um, <laughs> my wife's going out for the day as well. She's um, going off walking with her, with her dad and um, someone else going off like, walking in the hills and stuff, a bit of whole full day hiking. So I've got both boys. So I'll probably start too late reading it and I'll probably have a few drinks watching the stream. And I don't doubt I will be really tired and they will be really annoying. And all I want to do is read my book and they'll have no opportunity to. Wah, 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 violin, violin and all the rest. Um, but I'll still do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, different reason. But uh, yeah, there has been a, the recent novella, the Black Library novella, um, that was obviously went to pre-order last Saturday and arrives this Saturday Ooh. alongside my book. Um, so I'm going to be a bit torn. So, <laughs> I'd say it's a different kind of reading, my... isn't it? A different kind of reading. Um, yeah, well, I've only just finished off reading book nine of uh, the, the new Horus Heresy books. So. Right, have you read it all? Wow. Um, yeah. Um, that's, that's some pretty serious read. I know it's a little bit smaller this time around. We can say that on this podcast without causing any fighting or anything. But... Um, um, I, I still, my I, first, that's so. still some reading. Um, the ones that I have owned in the past, I, I don't still don't believe I read every word in in any of them. To be honest with you, um, I sort of dipped in and out of them as and as and when, using them a bit like encyclopedias. Um, but anyway, we probably shouldn't talk about those ones so much. Um, but yeah, just on Saturday, read a bit of your novel, have a little bit of a break, and go and read a couple of scenarios and, and then carry on and carry on so we're going to be well, co- recording the, the second half of this show fairly quickly next week so we can get the show out of course but people listen to this uh we this has all happened so this is probably very interesting disjointed and terrible yeah yeah because we're talking <laughs> about we're talking about stuff that's that's in the past now um so rather than a really bad episode of quantum leap it, it, it is it is and and we're talking about it and then later on in this very show we're going to be reviewing what we're talking about so this is really really silly to to keep banging on about it so shall we talk about what we've been up to um what have you been up to well apart from frantically find ways to fill this space because i've not done much is um to be honest i've been a bit of a hobby butterfly the last uh, couple of weeks i haven't been able to settle on pretty much doing anything which is terrible um i think i talked last time i finished my keeper um my bases have arrived i can't remember i think they were ordered last time we uh, recorded but they have yeah, arrived they I are beautiful remember, as always uh, generation shift bases uh, i got the um the, the the not dog order ones <laughs> the uh, forgotten dungeons i think it is yes. um, bases um which are beautiful um the cast on them are beautiful um i will get those started soon i keep having an argument with myself about whether to paint them now and get my army based up and finished or wait until i've finished my display board and put them in situ and then spray it all together so it actually matches properly yeah which i really should do 
you know, the, the, my inner 11-year-old wants to, ah, oh, get them painted, finish um, the things. I don't know. I reckon, cause, because the bases aren't going to change whatever they are anyway. So your, your, your flooring is going to have to match the bases. So as long as you think about the angle of which the stones are, and the, the which way you you want the guys to face, you can put the bases on them fine and paint them, can't you? I would There might be. Why don't some you map it out? For... If you're going to draw out, you're probably going to plan it, aren't you? In terms of size, and you're going to oh, plan. Oh, that's done. So, and if you plan, if you get up some paper out and and draw around the bases, and mark where the where, where the stones are going to match up, so to speak. As long as you keep that plan. You, there's nothing going to stop you basing them and doing the rest of there, really, because whether the models are on them or not, that those bases have got to fit into the floor of this thing or wherever you're positioning them. So I reckon you can do it. You might take you're going to have to take some notes and maybe like let's scribble on your pan, plan which way around they're going to go, and then once you've stuck them on, you've, you know they they are facing in that direction. But you could do it if you wanted to, and at least then you've you know you might want to unveil them until Throne of Skulls 2021. Um, but if you wanted to use them beforehand in a game against me or something like that, you you could do, couldn't you? So, and if you got yeah, them, there is that. Or you put them on temporary bases for now. You just super glue them onto to um, plastic bases and just give them a real basic kind of just just paint them a plain colour or something and just black rim them. So that they're usable and then snap them off. Super glue is fairly easy to snap off, isn't it? But there is a part of me, and there's going to be people probably think I'm a complete idiot for this. You're just thinking about getting another set and just painting up a quick set, <laughs> just so I can play with. Um, no, I think that is fair. Well, or instead of super gluing them on, why don't you just get them pins so that they? Um, so you got some temporary. Why don't you just pin them on the bases? But leave them so that there's a little bit of room to manoeuvre them slightly. So you just pin on one foot so that you can pivot them or something. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it some thought. Some I mean, there's the scope for gaming at the moment, especially with Boris yeah. changing the rules every week. Um, <laughs> gaming with them at the moment isn't the greatest of concerns. And to be fair, I've finished my dwarves and I've still not played with my dwarves. Yeah, you played a little and bit. All based on everything. <laughs> You have played with them, haven't you? A little bit, but smaller uh, games. Not with the full army. I still uh, use that chariot. Yeah, yeah that's going to get uh, harder and harder. We are, you know, at the moment you're still allowed to have people around for for a game, aren't you? So it's just finding someone, one of your mates, to have a big enough army to come and face the lot. Anyone locally who has is, I mean, um, Will, which who I love playing. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, he plays dwarves. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a bit of a one-dimensional game, isn't it? Yeah, um, but you know, I'm not going to whinge and moan. I've still got a better people, but um, yeah, gaming at least in the conventional sense, um, you know, full-on battles, etc., uh-huh. isn't particularly on my radar at the moment. I'm focusing on the real stuff we can do, which is being apparently heartily catered for by Quest of the Wind Bearer. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm aware there. NFTs, the legendary legions, and mm-hmm. new character profiles, all that kind of stuff. But frankly, not too fussed about that at this stage. Um, it is all about that scenario-based narrative gaming, which I'm all excited about. Yes. Which I don't need based ring race for because they weren't around yet. So no, well, they, no, you don't. But they were in the dim and distant past. Everyone's forgotten them. No one remembers what the bases they were on. They were 50 years before. <laughs> so we, I mean, we, let's talk about that a little bit now. So we're going to play some games over the, the internet and I've got my setup 
ready to go pretty much. I haven't tried my video card yet. I need to do that before we try our game. But so that I can have a top down camera and we can we can play. Or I can host a game where you and Sam both play using using Zoom or using Discord or something like that. Um so I, I suppose I've got a lot of the models we need to play or we're assuming looking at the contents list which is um we've seen for the book. So I've got a lot of the things that to, to do that. Some stuff I'm going to paint it up. But I suppose if you aren't going to buy models for that because you don't need them, we can still play narrative games over the internet that is Hobbit-based. So it might be worth you basing up your, your, your Dolgoda. And then um, even if we're just using bases with names written on and you can host a game that the other way around, so to speak, where the White Council or something take on... Um, your army or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So there yeah, might, there might be a reason. There might be a reason to base them up, and you get to use them because I, I've got the good deal out of the games we're planning on doing. Um, because yes, we're both playing a game, but I'm getting them. You know, I'm going to be here with the toys, and the reason we play these games is because we like toy soldiers, isn't it? So I, I'm kind of getting more. I, I would imagine I'll get a bit more enjoyment out of it. I don't know. You might you might still enjoy it the same way, but I enjoy not having quite the same hole in my wallet. <laughs> but I am, uh, you know, my, my uh, next thoughts, at least in terms of middle earth, for, for now, we'll see what happens. Is Isengard for yep. our Helm's Deep? So mm. putting aside some pennies, and uh, yeah, we'll get all that bought up and then get that painted for when we can get together and play a monster game of Helm's Deep. Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah, I'm never going to argue not to do that. Well, maybe, maybe, for, so it's a usable good eyes and God army later on. You could paint yourself some scouts and things up and uh, um, maybe you can host a, a game of, um, I don't know, Ammon Hen or something like that. It doesn't mean you're going to have to like buy yourself a Breaking of the Fellowship or something like that. Um, but, you know... Well, um, I do keep thinking about nipping to Ford or to Warhammer World because where I am, it's only an hour down the road. Yeah, and they are open, and they do have the—I think they have Breaking of the Fellowship, nice or Ambush Amon. And one of the two is a Warhammer World exclusive. Right, people will be going. It's uh, such and such. Sure, Breaking of Fellowship was available on a made to order fairly recently, but um, I might be wrong. Maybe it will get brought back as well. Maybe it will be one that they. Because it's a, there's a legendary legion, isn't there, in, in of breaking of fellowship that we will be discussing um, later in the show when we've actually got the book in a day's time or two days' time. Um, but mm, that would be tempting to buy. But mm, do I have all any the fellowship things? Models if I go is? all the things, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the way I look at it is I might actually go and buy my um, Isengard just to make a day of it. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice sure. to do. Kind of a day because I can't hang around that long. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? You go in there and can't go and you can't do all the things that are cool about visiting there, which is miniature. But it's only an hour away. It's not, you know, people go for, you know, they go and stay in hotels for it or they come across from parts of the globe. True, true. Yeah. So for me, it just means you're going to a well stocked shop, aren't you? Yeah, it's no different to nipping off to a. You know, like a out of town blooming shopping precinct, is it really? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's a bit further for me. It's like an hour and forty five without traffic, so a little bit further, but it's still not an issue. If that was my only way to get something, I probably would. At the moment, there's there's no reason for me to drive that far because everything I want, I can pretty much get from the from the web store. Well, there is also the issue that it's twist. It's over twenty pounds free shipping currently in the UK for the the web store. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? That makes a big difference. Yeah, 
So that's after a certain point, it becomes what's cheaper fuel or just get a percent. <laughs> yes. But, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's good to go out for the day sometimes, especially in the moment. Um, yeah. So that's a very elaborate way of me saying I've not really done an awful lot much. I've definitely not done anything really middle earth based. So I'm ashamed to say I, I have watched the live streams recently, which I very much enjoyed. Um, I am going to watch the one that's going to be on tomorrow as we speak the 25th. Um, I don't really have a horse on his on his or her own at the moment. I, I can just paint the Thrandor sitting on that I've been <laughs> threatening to paint for God knows how long. I think well, that is the only horse I've got. That would work. Um, oh no, I've got those uh, Galadrim knights, but no, I'll, I'll, there are numerous things I'd rather do than that. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's it. And apart from that, in hobby news, Hero Quest. I'm quite excited about that, and I'm I'm thinking about ways of trying to get hold of it. Yeah, it's America only, isn't it? Yes, America, Canada. Well, basically, I think it's continental Northern America, isn't it? So, I do know someone over in the states, Mr. Mm-hmm. Jackson. Oh yeah, I forgot about Jamie. Yeah, yeah. So I might I might have a word and see if if he would mind sorting me out on that one because I do really want it. I mean, I've I've loved her request forever. And anyone who's ever seen the Bardic broadcasts, you know, <laughs> his his love of HeroQuest has kept my love of HeroQuest alive and brought love of HeroQuest to many other people who have never even played the game, just think the beardy bloke on the internet's quite funny. So, Yeah, it's a, for, for those of you who aren't aware that, that uh, Hasbro are crowdfunding, bizarre for a company like Hasbro, but I suppose it's uh, risk-free pre-ordering, isn't it, really, what you should call it. Um Hero Quest again. So it basically looks like the original Hero Quest, but they've redesigned some of the cards and things, and they've, the models are all completely different, aren't they? They're all the same characters, but they're kind of modern modern sculpts of them all. I haven't gone into any much more detail than that, but the, other than that, it's the same sort of box cover art and that kind of stuff. So it's essentially Hero Quest, but slightly modernised, but not completely yeah. repackaged, the, I'd say. The HD remix. <laughs> yeah. The models look great. I'll tell you what it has made yeah. me want to do. It's made me think I still want the original. For those people who have listened to episode zero, the kind of pilot sort of show where we introduced ourselves, will know that Hero Quest was my gateway into um, miniature gaming and where I first saw the GW logo logo and when I saw that GW logo on a white dwarf in in WH Smith one day I made the connection and, and picked that up. So Hero Quest is, is why I'm here. Um I still want to get myself a complete that'd be mint condition but a complete version. I must regret getting rid of mine so much. But the things you sell when you're a kid but I still want to get myself a original version. I'd still rather have those old sculpts for, for nostalgia than the than the new ones. They're definitely it's definitely a non-GW aesthetic, isn't it, now, to the models? Classic swords and sorcery rather than high fantasy, really, isn't it? So it's... Yeah, what I mean is that the new models, they don't look they don't look connected to the GW world anymore, no, whereas the old ones... they look like or... those Age of Conan miniatures that got yeah, brought Yeah, the they're lovely, but I... And those uh, they are better miniatures, don't get me wrong. But I, given the option of having either box, I would probably prefer the originals just for that nostalgia thing. But but I'd, I was hoping they would come down in price because this new one coming out. But again, because it's different, I suppose maybe uh, those collectible ones still will be collectible. If but, anything, it might make it more expensive. Oh God, please don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, 
maybe, maybe in the future. Too many Middle Earth projects at the moment. Um, Jake is probably still another year or two off being able to play Hero Quest. When he's, you know, when he can play it and sustain a game properly with it, then I might invest in the however many hundred odd pounds I need to purchase one off eBay um, because I'll feel like it's worth it then when he, when he's, you know, I can actually play it with him. So you're going to introduce your son to your gateway drug for hobby crack? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's already got he's already got miniatures now, and he's already paying. So it's, he's already had his his entrance, and every time he comes in the office, he's you know talks about the models he, all over all the shelves. So he's not going to avoid it. He stood no chance, did he? <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Not until he discovers girls, and then he'll then he won't talk to daddy at that point anyway. I imagine. <laughs> and it, so yeah, it brings us to what we're recently speaking about. Um, you know, we've been reminiscing again about that whole do you be out about um, hobby and that's it's come up again recently, hasn't it? So yeah, yeah. We're, we're topic for another day as well. Yeah, I think we will have it as a topic. I don't know if we'll squeeze it in this side of Christmas. We might do, but um, we will we will we will do a, a sort of a slightly off topic conversation about about uh, nerddom and culture and what's acceptability and how you come out and as a as a gamer and, and those who don't I think it's a it's a good conversation. It won't be for everyone. It won't be a show that everyone wants to hear. And I we've got a lot planned that's kind of West of the Ring Bearer type based. Um and that definitely makes sense to continue doing those while the book's fresh out. But I I, I it's a conversation I'd want to have even if it means that it only gets half the number of downloads we normally get. Um it's uh, it'll be good. Anyway, you you're apologising for not doing much hobby stuff, a Middle Earth hobby, but you know we, we have put out two shows already this month, and then two in August from the fifteenth as well. So this will be like the fifth show in in about five or six weeks, or about six weeks or something. So it, it, we are putting uh, pressure on you to come up with um, new so hobby. It's, it's your fault, Steve. Yeah, you slave driver. Yeah, it's it's because it's it's stuff coming out, isn't it? And that's and that's where we've been lucky. We're lucky that we've got we've got releases. We've had an FAQ, we've had a best of White Dwarf. We've planned our Helm's Deep thing as well. We had Matt grab Matt when we could because it's been so hard to to get an interview with Matt in. So we've suddenly got quite a few episodes in in a short period of time. But that's all cool. That's all good. Um, um, but yeah, don't apologise for uh, having not done stuff because. Well, you have been. <laughs> you... Yeah, they, well, this this stuff done is just because I've been hobby butterfly. None of it's complete, unfortunately, and not all of it's been middle earth. So it's a bit of a. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure you had. You'd finished the keeper by the last show. I'm not. Mm, you might have. Might have we've done, done so many blooming episodes recently. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I may have, or was so close as never mind. But he is done. He is on the social media. I've actually on our channels. Hooray. I don't think I put it in Facebook, but he's definitely in, he's on uh, Instagram. In our Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you did share him on Facebook, but you put and him on you Instagram. Obliterated him with your Gandalf. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know if you'd done it actually. Um, I know that I'd only started working on the fellowship when we when we spoke last time. Um, I don't know if I'd actually finished anything and shared it by that point, but yeah. Hey, segues neatly on. What have you been up to, Stu? Finishing my fellowship. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I can't remember where I'd done any. So our last show, when did it go out? That went out on the 16th of September. Um, so, yeah, I had done some by then, I think. I'd painted The Hobbits probably by then. Um, you probably had finished The Keeper then. Um, I may have even done Gandalf, I can't remember. Um, but I've, I've done the lot. 
um, fairly quickly. I wanted to make them fairly... It's that balance between making them look nice, but also making them... They are gaming pieces. Um, they are going to get chipped. They are going to get, you know, banged around a little bit. So they're kind of like the sort of standard I'd use for gaming level heroes rather than display level um they're lovely old sculpts but i almost feel like they've if i wanted to do something more show level with them i'd maybe use different sculpts they're all a little bit static so i like them for the nostalgia but they're not the best versions of of, of any of those characters around save maybe the gandalf's a good sculpt and the i really like the sam sculpt Gimli's quite good as well, but some of the, the I'm not a huge fan of the Legolas one and the Boromir sculpt. They're not they're not the best versions of anything. They're better than the plastic ones, but um so yeah, I've finished them all. They're all two to four hour paint jobs and I've been using a method that's um basically using a lot of contrast paint. So I've been doing a zenith or highline. I've probably talked about this a little bit before, but it's you you're basically you're priming black and then using an airbrush. You could use a, a rattle can to do this, but it wouldn't be as precise. Top down, I'm then um, giving it a kind of highlight of white, so you're still leaving black in the shadows. And then to take it a stage further, I'm, I'm then painting in edge highlights on all over it, including like the hair and things in white on the model. So I'm almost painted the model in grayscale. And then I'm putting my base coats on, apart from metals and apart from the flesh, because I don't like the uh, contrast flashes, um, all with, with contrast paint. Um, so what you get there is a really nice um, mid-tone and, and, and shadow and shade. And then I highlight on top, so it might be like three levels of highlighting on top. By the time you finished, you can't, you know, you wouldn't know it had been done with with contrast. But um, it's just a way, way of using the tool. You're essentially, gla- you know, d- doing heavy glazes. Um, and, yeah, I think it's just it's quite a nice, it's quite a nice process. For a start, base coating can be really mind-numbing. Contrast paints, because they're quite thin and they flow really nicely, so it's actually quite a therapeutic way of painting. So it's a lot easier. You're not fighting with like a a dry tip on your brush. You're not trying to keep your paints wet because these are very wet paints, but they are quite controllable. Um, And then you you almost get an instant kind of, um, you you see instant results, but you have to spend the time making sure that that pre-shade pre-highlight whatever you want to call it is of a decent quality in order to you know to get the best effect out of it um obviously works a little bit by spraying it white and the gwa and just slapping it on but if you're if you're if you're using that sort of pre-shade and and making sure you're leaving shadow in there it does so much more for you um and then i'm just painting the metals in normally painting the flesh in normally and then going back and still doing you know two three highlights and everything so essentially the model is painted as normal but those of you who follow our social medias will be able to see them all on there um, I did the, the little Valens Tomb display base for them as well, um, which was quite cool. I, I was I was really torn when I was painting Gimli's base, and Gimli was the last model I did, um, and probably the one that came out the best. I think I quite like Gimli. I was really torn about what to do with his base. I quite like making my bases so that they work in multiple settings. So no matter what your battle table you put them on, they look look good. Um, of course, he's standing on the tomb, isn't he? And everyone else is standing on the ground around it. Um, I didn't want to paint it just grey. I wanted to make sure it was dirty and dusty. So I, I you know, there is greys in there, but I've put bits of weathering powders in browns and things as well, which looks fine. You can still see it as balanced tomb. It looks, you know, you think, oh, well, that's great. That's, you know, it just looks dirty and dusty. But obviously, 
I wanted his base to match the rest of them so that if I used him in scenarios where it's a green table, that those bases match in because I put little bits of dry grass. Just ways of tricking the eye, really. So whatever environment you put them in, you, you can think, oh, that kind of works. But because he's standing on top of the tomb, I thought, oh, well, I'm going to paint his base grey like he's on top of the slab of concrete. And I just thought, no, he's going to look odd in every other situation other than on this display base. So I just painted him as normal so it does look a little bit odd. But... Maybe it's just something I noticed. Yeah, but yeah, you can see it stands out. That's the only thing. But again, it's it's they're only going to be on that display base on my shelf in my room, which only I see most of the time. It's what they're going to look like on the table. As I say, I do like my bases to kind of work. It's nice to have a theme for the army, but if you're you know you can you can trick the. I've been like I'm going to try and do with the I talked about before on the previous show about the defenders of Helm's Deep, the foot models. I'm going to kind of make the bases similar, kind of like a bit of grey on there, a bit of dust and brown and things, and the odd little bit of dry grass, which means they could look like they're, they're in Helm's Deep with a bit of grass that's grown up between the cracks of the, the stone. But then if you stick them on a green kind of rolling fields, they'll just look like they're on a patch of, of mud that's, um, you know, worn away from the grass, so they don't look completely out of place. It's lovely to have a themed army, but I don't know if you've got beautiful white minister of stone bases they look amazing when you look at the army but then if you stick them on a green field or something they look a bit like they're carrying some white stone around them so i don't know i've made made them a bit neutral i figured an awful lot of the fellowship type scenarios that they'll be used in they're, they're pretty much out in the in the wild aren't they it's nearly everything's kind of woodland or grass or something like that so i thought i'd go with something that could kind of do either um, and then the other thing I did is I painted the um, weather top. Um, I say weather top in inverted commas. Um, the uh, the top of the watchtower thing that's uh, from I think the files were on the Thingiverse. It was paint, um, printed for me by three um, D tabletop. Thank you, Sean, for that. Um, so I painted that up, ready to go. I've not mounted it on a, on a kind of a hilltop yet. That will come later, but it's ready to go for us to play. Um, weather top scenario, which we're going to do on Saturday, the 3rd of October, aren't we? We're going to basically spend the day, me, you and Sam, at our computers, um, doing a bit of a round robin in terms of taking in turns to, to play the scenario. But I'm going to set the table up, a little 2 by 2 probably will fit on my desk. Camera top down, the, the inverted commas weather top in the middle. I've got the, all the race, I've got my fellowship painted oh, I don't need all the fellowship obviously I only need the hobbits and Aragorn but I've got them done um, and um, according to the the contents page of uh, of, a, of a certain new book I think where the top's in there isn't it otherwise we'll just use the one that's in um, the journey book um, I think from memory it's in there um, but we'll either use a new scenario or we'll use an old one and we're gonna we're gonna play Weathertop, aren't we and um, and talk about it on a future show I imagine it's certainly the hope, unless it all goes horribly wrong, in which case we never have any of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there is there is the technology side. So, I mean, the worst case scenario will, you know, I'll be pointing my iPhone down at the table and it'll be over Messenger and you'll be looking at it that way. But hopefully the video card will work properly and I'll have my, my proper camera on there. And then it'll all be down to how much the, the internet compresses it and how easy it is for you to see. But hopefully, if it's, if it's a smallish table... Um, it should work and I think the, the nicest game will be in terms of the mechanics of how it will work be when you and Sam are playing and I'm moving the models for for, for, for you two because I'll obviously always be moving all the models etc but it'll be nicer when I'm kind of the 
the independent games master doing it. I think that will work quite well. But we are going to all play against each other and swap the, and do it so that we all have a go with each each side. I think, and that makes a way to do it. Um, so we all get to play it, and, um, and we'll probably make it a segment. I imagine. I imagine we'll we'll do a, a light version of what we did with. Um, Helm's Deep, we'll discuss whichever scenario we, we used and whether we changed anything and we'll maybe see if there are any other weathertop scenarios from the past and talk about those a little bit as well and um, and go from there. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. I've not, you know, apart from our death matches, I've not rolled any dice for a very long, long time. Um, and with the current things of the world, this is... Uh, this is the you know all we can really do at the moment. It's not all we can do. I appreciate we could get together and we wouldn't be breaking the rules, but all we think that we want to do at the moment, especially with the distance around us. And if it works, we're going to keep doing it. And this is where we hope this book um, is kind of kind of perfect timing, really, isn't it for the for the kind of gaming we may be able to do? We can look at those smaller um, smaller scenarios and things and and things we can set up on a small board and we can get the camera on play relatively short game maybe in an evening um and, and and make sure it's narrative because it doesn't matter if the measurements are <coughs> you know slightly dodgy or you it's quite hard to describe where you want your models to go if someone else is moving them over a camera sometimes but if we're playing for a bit of fun as part of a narrative scenario it really doesn't matter if we were trying to play a four by four test out a match play thing it would be a lot harder i imagine to always get things exactly where you wanted um and listen to Jay talk about the, the the stuff that's coming up in the book, which we'll obviously review later. Looks like there's gonna be plenty of cool little ones that we can we can do. I might need to order Farmer Maggot because that scenario sounds cool. Yeah, there's, there, I was imagine there'll be a few bits and the set up I'm able to but the benefit of a lot of this stuff is it probably won't require much. So that'll be really good. Little projects might be quite a nice thing to get through the winter months. Yeah, I might um, I mean I've been thinking today Yes, I've got this all this stuff to prep for the Helms Deep game, but we've already decided that's likely to be spring. You know, we want to do it when <clears throat> we can really kind of maybe it might be the, the the first. Hopefully, if things do ease up in six months or so, we might be able to do it as a as a bit of a celebration of us three getting together after a long, long time and having some drinks and stuff, rather than it all being quite sterile. But we'll we'll see how it goes. But I may change the change my um my my priority a little bit, and uh, rather than plowing on with 40 foot Rohan um, if there's a scenario in there that means I want to paint my Balrog that we can do a scenario for I might jump it out of the queue because I've got plenty of time to still get those other things done um, and that's be nice to you know I always seem to be a book behind in terms of preparation because I might be working on something from the previous book well I might just bump stuff forward and enjoy the book and engage with it as at the time that it's new out, um, especially if it means fun little projects like ordering Farmer Maggot, um, painting that, and then playing that scenario because I've got the got the Hobbits already, and it just just little things like that would excite me at the moment. And they're things that we can do, like I said, easily over the internet. Doesn't record, you know, if it's not as precise, you know, we don't need so much precision to do it. And it's all about us having some fun and um, things like playing the mini games we can do as well, but just looking to do some gaming over the internet, enjoying that book and, um, and not worrying about things that are so many months off. Um, I'll still work on those uh, Rowan armies, but 
Um, yeah, I'm not frightened to change the order if it if it means that we can then play a game the week after, so to speak. Oh, something I didn't mention actually. I you know, I mentioned the spider serum from serum from um, Green Stuff Well before, so I used it on the the Balance Two display base, and that stuff is awesome. It looks really really cool. And again, if you haven't looked at the haven't seen what I'm talking about, if you head over to any of our social media and look for my fellowship post, look for the final one I did with the or on the display base, you'll be able to see the spider web on there, and that's using that spider serum, which you shoot for your airbrush. The only thing I'll say is, is that it's incredibly delicate. It's just about as delicate as real spider web. Um, so you can't touch it. So I don't think it really work on gaming miniatures bases. Um, you'd be forever reapplying it, but for something that's going to sit on a shelf, it's. Uh, I was very impressed by it. Um, but other than that, I've not been there. Yeah, I say other than that, I've painted a, pretty much painful fellowship but um i've been i finished off um circus's uh hobbit um very very good very enjoyable um and then i've been i've just finished today actually there's uh a biography by ian nathan it's called anything you can imagine peter jackson and the making of middle earth and it's like a whopping 22 hours um a biography and it's really enjoyable um i mean it's uh it's a puff piece he clearly likes Jackson and uh, and Lord of the Rings films. Um, if you don't know where the it's a puff piece quote comes from, check out Almost Famous, really good film. Um, it's it's pretty good. There were a couple of points in it. I thought, yeah, okay, this is a bit. He, he over explains the odd thing. Um, a lot of it you'd already know if you've watched the extras. So if you like me and you've watched the extras on the DVDs ridiculous amount of times um a lot of it you'd know anyway but it does give you the less kind of shiny excited version of all that so you do you get to find out a little bit more detail around the um the, the fight they have with the studios and all the stuff around that and also some of the negative stuff that was going on when they were filming which won't come across in the in the extras some of the problems they were still having with the studios that were ongoing um and the business side of things so that was quite interesting so there was i did learn some stuff with that um and it was quite well done the only thing i I didn't like sometimes he kind of over explained stuff didn't spend very long talking about the hobbit films at the end um it's quite a small percentage considering the book came out in 2018 so the hobbit films were long done he could have covered those as well but they were almost a bit of an afterthought there wasn't as much detail not as much talk or he clearly hadn't interviewed the the actors from those as much as he had for the fellowship um so it felt like you could have done more but it was a massive 22 hours anyways it was a ma- i think it's a 650 page book which is pretty big as biographies go most biographies are more kind of uh quite easy reads so yeah but it's, if you you know if you that kind of thing interests you i'd recommend it i mean i had it read to me by um someone on audible um i'm not sure how long it'd have taken me to find time to to read that kind of book as a as a normal thing but um you we probably learn some stuff um but a lot of it you you know just telling stories you've already seen on the extras but i enjoyed it it's cool but that was me really um just eagerly awaiting for what's coming up after the break when we shoot forward in time and we've got the book that I'm waiting for, but uh, yeah, it's been okay. Good stuff. Shall we pop, move on and uh, move through time and get hands on this wonderful piece of literature? I think we should. I think we should go for a break now and then when, we, when we're back with you, we will be forward in time with the book. The hour grows late and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this, Blandalf? 
Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter. We must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. And we're back and uh, we've moved forward in real time, um, only a few minutes in time for for the listeners. Um, we've moved forward um, a few days in real time. We've had the book in our hands for a few days now. It's now the Tuesday evening after the, the release weekend. Um, we've had a, had time to flick through our physical books and through my uh, the, the the digital version, and we have Quest of the Ringbearer, and um, it's myself and Dan here, and the plan is that we're going to sort of give a bit of a an overview review. Um, so we're going to kind of, it's not going to be a 10 minute skim through or, or even a 21 minute one, like the little video that I put out on YouTube. Um, but it will maybe spend an hour or so giving it a decent review, but we're, you know, we might not, we're not going to read every word of it and things. So we're still going to leave some, some room there for us to come back and, and revisit things in more detail in the future as well. Um, so to get us started off though, just in case anyone's come to this and, and aren't aware of what it is. Dan, what is the Quest of the Ringbearer book? What is it about? Well, it is the latest in the uh, line of campaign books, essentially. It, much like we've had uh, Gondor in Flames and War in Rohan, it is, I wouldn't say a snapshot, because I'd say that the, the Quest of the Ringbearer, t- titularly, is the sort of the thread that holds almost the entire Third Age section of Lord of the Rings together. It's read through the entire story it's the central arc as through as Tolkien told it so this is it's that essentially <laughs> yeah it, it, that's it that's it to a T it's spot on it's uh, so rather than sort of filling a particular campaign or, or timeline it kind of it spreads through all three books stroke films um, and focuses very much on um, anything to do with with the ring bearer at the time and, and when when they say that it's it's, it's not all the different ring bearers it's it's face, focusing on frodo really and frodo and sam's journey um through from leaving the the shire to uh dumping the ring in some into some hot fire at the end spoilers um and it, and it's in a very nice way of doing it as well so let, let's let's give you a little bit of a kind of uh, an overview of the contents before we start sort of delving down in, and discussing them in a little bit more detail so like all of these books you have a little brief bit of bit of history at the beginning like setting the scene so to speak so there is a brief history of the ring it's a few like three or four pages or so um and then there's 28 narrative play scenarios um, follows following that is a linked campaign, so you can play those twenty-eight narrative play scenarios as part of a linked campaign. Um, and then there's the army list section, which covers the army lists that are covered by new profiles and all legendary legions within the book. Um, and there's four new profiles in the army list section. Um, there's six legendary legions covered. Um, there's only six new ones. I think it's I think it's five new ones, sort of. Um, sort of revisited with a couple of extra things added um and then there's a fantasy fellowship 
Um, and that's a way you can, uh, instead of having the, the regular nine, you can have your own nine. Um, and there's a campaign that's linked with that as well. Um, and then uh, finishing it off, there is a Weathertop Masterclass. So it's a masterclass on how to paint and model your your Forge World Weathertop. Um, and then there's a, a few, few shots at the end of, of, I think, of some of the studio's own fantasy fellowship. So that's the overview. That's the contents, really, sort of read out in one go. But um, what we're going to do now is kind of delve into each section, um, flick through the pages a little bit. We're not going to really read loads of stuff out, but sort of talk about our favourite bits from it. Um, and we're going to start with the narrative scenario. So what's the, the first narrative scenario, Dan? Well, first narrative scenario is Farmer Maggot's Crop. Fantastic. So um, I mean, I've got some notes on each of these. Um, I'm just jump, spilling this on you now. So what, what's this one about? I don't know if you've read them all or, or how far you've gone through with the scenarios. But uh, I've not gone through them with a fine tooth comb yet, but um, I have given them all a reasonable look over. Obviously, each uh, scenario starts with a, an overview, uh, explaining sort of set, setting the scene for each scenario. So it, it starts off with Farmer Maggot is a well-respected member of the Shire community and tells you about how the participants in each scenario come to be where they are. Gives you that narrative hook in order to set the scene and tell the story. And then you get all the rules and sets it up to basically give you the conditions for the game. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, it's done the same way as as, as um, all of the, the narrative scenarios they've done before are. So you've got that little set in the scene, just as you said. And also the similar way that is with profiles as well when it introduces the, the characters. Um, so it just kind of tells you where they are in the story. Um, and then you've got your, your, your top-down map, which tells you how to set up and all your usual stuff to expect from a scenario where you, you lay out your starting positions, objectives, etc. And essentially, Farmer Maggot's Crop is, is a very fun little scenario where you are the one player is the four hobbits, um, the other player is Farmer Maggot and his three hounds, and the hobbits have to steal crops from farmer maggot and uh, farmer maggot has to and the dogs have to stop them that's essentially it it's um the uh, the evil in inverted commas are the are the are the four hobbits um but no one no one really gets hurt in this i think wounds mean they're kind of getting scared or getting nipped by the dogs or or chased off and things so um very unusual wasn't expecting it to be honest with you but it's actually it sort of sets the the kind of tone really really nicely and while there are more kind of, should we say, serious in inverted commas as well, scenarios later on. It looks a great little fun one to play. And I'm looking at it now and thinking, you know what, my, my five-year-old might like this. This might be the right up his alley to kind of um, set up the board and there's so few models needed and the, the objectives are so simple. Might be something that you can you can introduce some younger people into the game, or maybe that that you if you have a games night with your other half and they're not really into your uh, your, your miniature gaming, but maybe you might be able to persuade them to uh, to try out this. But that's actually a- how I came to it, especially the designers' notes for this. It's uh, why you can play it with five people, yes. so you've got four players playing the individual hobbits and a fifth playing Farmer Maggot. And I think if you're doing a games night, or because you know sometimes I'll do that. But- play board games and stuff this is actually one of those games you could actually get a bit of tabletop miniature gaming into your game tonight by playing this kind of thing and it's casual enough that people who perhaps have never really done miniature gaming could, could get involved yeah absolutely i mean it's it's the it's, it's it's the idea is it's on a four by four board you probably can reduce that slightly without affecting the game too too much especially if you're trying to um, get people involved but the hobbits move slow enough as it is i don't you know 
I haven't tried it yet, so I might be completely wrong on this, but it may be fine, like cutting that down to a three by three, even a two by two, and um, changing a few things. It might still be playable as a little bit of a fun, a fun thing, and it might be something that might be one of the ones that that we try um, over the webcam and see how it works, and then maybe we will try it on the larger and the smaller size and see how it works, and and report back to everyone. But um, I I quite like the idea of giving it giving it a go for some fun. Uh, I know I'll be purchasing Farmer Maggot later this week when I put a little order in and. Um, That'll be it. Then I'll paint him up and uh, I'll be ready to go. So I've got all the scenery needed. Um, so the second one um, is shortcuts make long delays. Um, so again, like the first one, you got your you set your scene. Essentially, what this is 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 on the on the road to the ferry. Um, Mary, I believe, in the book, this is a book scenario rather than a film scenario. Mary goes off to um, sort of. Um, doesn't he travel ahead, doesn't he? To uh, before he gets to Crick he, to make to make things right, is it? I can't I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he it. goes with Fatty Bulger to set up the house at Crook Hollow, so he goes on the cart. That's right. Where the hobbits cut across land. And this is where the other hobbits first just first sort of they they've seen they've they've met the elves, they met Gildor's elves the night before, spent the night with them and sounds bad. Um <laughs> the, <laughs> these these elves and their enchanting music and nice foods. Um and and then they get uh, they first meet a ringwraith, don't they? And it's yes, proper. Other than uh, Frodo overhearing the gaffer talking, or Sam rather overhearing the gaffer talking, to someone doesn't he? Yes, that's right. So that's that's the book, that's the narrative book side. I mean, the the actual game itself, it's um, it's the three remaining hobbits and Gildor, who's not available on the web store at the moment. So hopefully he comes back as a made to order or something. We were talking about this before we started recording that I'd like to play this scenario and try it out. I've got the ringwraiths, I've got the hobbits, and what do I do about Gildor? Well, at the moment, I probably I'd probably just proxy in one of my um wood elves from my battle company that are slightly converted um it wouldn't stop me playing the scenario i wouldn't you know, but it'd be lovely to have the, the, the correct model to use but that's, that's the next one so you get an idea of there's some quite small um niche kind of uh, scenarios i think that's still on a four by four board but very low model counts and if you even if you don't have like the model like gildor it's very easy to um to, to proxy something in that's acceptable um, one more thing also is worth mentioning. This is, I mean, one thing to mention: the photography in this book is a cut above. Yes. It's stunning. Yes. It's one of the first things I've really noticed about this book. The the photography in it is phenomenal. Um, now I know someone who works up at uh, GWH Callum, and he mentioned that basically the guy who took most of the photos is called Dave. So isn't they not? It might not be Dave. You know, everyone knows a Dave, but <laughs> apparently Dave did it. And Dave, you did a really good job, mate. Yes, yeah, it's a good, it's a good shout actually. Um, I get so used to the quality of these things being so good, um, but these are they've 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 had some fun recreating the scenes and the, the picture for this. Uh, there are there's a real bit of wood by the look, by the looks of things, um, and the the three hobbits hidden beneath it, and Gildor is there as well, and the wraith up up and above. So that sort of that that seminal um, scene, which is obviously slightly different in the film, because all four hobbits are under that that tree tree bunch but um yeah good little bit of fun i think it's basically them escaping escaping nazgul again isn't it and what's what's the next one so what's the third scenario buckleberry ferry right and that's uh i suppose it's one of those things that doesn't need much explanation it's very um it's quite seminal isn't it from the books and from the films yes um, but- mary makes his return and we lose gildor yeah, that's right. Um, and 
yeah, this low model can again. So it's three three ring wraiths and the, and the four hobbits and another four by four board. Um, you would need to model yourself a um, a ferry and and you need a river. Um, but again, it's it's quite low investment on on number of models needed. And uh, I just want to play all of these. They're, they're, they're things that you think actually I've got these models. I can I can do this. It doesn't take a lot to. To, to get them ready to go um and i can see us spending quite a few evenings maybe getting some of these some of these done um and that moves us on to the next one uh, we are going to fly through these because i just want to give you a bit of an overview of each rather than a full sort of detailed rundown of all of the uh, um the layout and the the, the objectives and things because we'd be here forever and because there's, there's 28 of these things but um the next one is the old forest um really really interesting because there's basically no evil characters in this. No, no, there's not. Um, which makes it even easier, easier to set up and do. Um, so then, yeah. So Dan, tell us what what what's, uh, what are the four hobbits up against? Basically, they've got to get through the forest. They're against the trees because, as per the special rules, the trees are alive. So um, <laughs> basically, the trees try to stop the hobbits escaping off the other side of the board. It's played on a two foot square yep. board. This one and it's quite densely packed with trees. And uh, the hobbits basically have to um, get through without being knocked unconscious. It looks great. You will need a few trees to play this, play it well. Um, again, you could, you know, if you you could proxy it, you could cut out some sort of like top-down looking trees um, and colour them in or something like that on bits of card and do it that way. It could still be an enjoyable game, wouldn't look quite as nice, but you can definitely play it. Um, and again, another one I think we can we can try out, and we talked a little bit earlier in the cast and on previous casts about how this book, well, for, for this is my opinion, I think this book is perfect for the situation we're in at the moment where we, we're not going to events and we can't meet up and play. But these things feel manageable uh, with a with a over the internet with a webcam or something. You feel like you could still they're small enough scenarios that they're not going to go on for hours and hours and hours. Um, you could still in, you know have some enjoyment and painting up the odd model here and there, pre- preparing for them and, and playing them. And uh, this is another one of those. Um, so moving swiftly on again. So next one up, Dan is fog on the Barrow Downs. So more classic stuff that uh, that was obviously not in the films um, for reasons of keeping the films <laughs> under seven or eight hours, which they would have been if all these things were in there and and maybe ruined the the, the, the kind of the pacing of the films. But Fog on the Barrow Downs, um, the four hobbits essentially are trying to escape and get away from the mist and the Barrow rights, and uh, they can. Uh, call on Tom Bombadil and Goldberry to come and help them. Um I think I don't can, can you get barrow rights at the moment or is it death I think you can, can't you? I think Yeah, I think, I think it's Denmark Spectres. Denmark aren't. So so essentially you, if you've got your four hobbits, um Tom Bombadil and Goldberry and four barrow rights is all you need for this as well. So it's not an awful lot. Um another four by four. Um um, I think that's the only thing that surprised me. I made some assumptions when, when this book was announced. You kind of guessed some of the kind of scenarios that would be in it, and I thought there would be a lot of the smaller ones like there were in the Shire book, a lot of the two-by-two two style of things. And we are, what are we now? We're, we've gone five scenarios in, and uh, four of them have been four-by-four. Four. I'm not saying that's wrong. Um, I'm just surprised that, they, that there aren't some of these aren't on smaller boards, especially with the the, 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 the low movement rate of, of Hobbits. But... Um, I've not played them, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they were wrong sized. I just, I'm just surprised me that they went a little bit smaller. But I'm sure they're right. I'm sure they've been tested, and there's a reason that they are the size they are. Um, next one 
is the first time we see a couple of new characters uh, that have just been released and we talked about earlier in the show. So Nazgul in Bree um, is the first opportunity to use um, Barnum and Butterbur and Harry Goatleaf. Um, so Dan, what's, what's this one about? It is essentially the uh, Nazgul's coming to Bree has, you know, declared in their <laughs> uh, title. Um, it's they start the games, basically Aragorn, the Hobbits and Barlaman start in the Prancing Pony. Yep. The uh, Nazgul arrive and try and squish Tom. And then, um, oh, sorry, Harry Goatleaf, not Tom. Oh, I'm saying Tom. And the, basically the Hobbits have got to escape. Yeah, it looks cool. I, I really want to play this and... Uh, we were discussing again. Uh, so in between the days of us recording the first part of this podcast and, and this bit, um, um, Bill has been spoiled. So we know that, that uh, uh, there's a new Bill the Pony coming from Forge World, we believe. So we were, this hasn't been announced at this point, but the time we listened to the show, it may well have been. Um, but um, we were kind of, we were assuming that he may well come in the pack with Harry Goatleaf and, and Barnum and Butterbeer because Barnum can take him, as we'll find later when we talk about his his profile. Um, so I really, I'm going to be picking up that, that set of models if we assume it's a set of models and they really want to play it. But I also don't have four mounted ring wraiths. Um, so I'm hoping that that will come soon, as soon as they're able to kind of do some kind of made-to-order or even just bring them back on, on normal sale because... Uh, there's a few scenarios in this book that require you to have your mounted ring race, and I've only got the, the nine on foot, but it does look like a good scenario, good good bit of fun. And then after that, we move on to something that, um, as we record, we're going to be playing this weekend, um, and we're going to be playing Weathertop, and we will be using the new scenario. Now there is one. We'd hope there would be, and, and there is. Um, and... Weathertop doesn't really need any explanation, does it? I don't think it, I think everyone knows what Weathertop is, but uh, you're you have the Witch King and four Ringwraiths um, getting to the Hobbits, uh, four Hobbits on the top of Amundsen, and I think you keep rolling to see when Aragorn arrives to effectively rescue them. You got to, I imagine you got to try and keep the Hobbits alive until till he can get there and and hopefully save them um looks cool this is a two by two one which is good because we're going to be playing with the webcam pointing down i've got my uh, camera set up ready to go on it's uh, on it's kind of rig to, to point point top down um can't wait to try it out and uh what we're probably going to do for the for the next main show is we're going to do a bit of a weather top um deep dome discussion a bit like we did with helms deep look at some of the older scenarios and things and also discuss our game and how it works and things so probably going to be the next episode so we'll go into more detail about that scenario there uh, and dan what's the next one flight to the ford this one looks cool this one looks cool i was uh looking at it and thinking Ooh, really want to play this and then thinking oh, oh i need, need nine mounted raves um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. not to mention uh glorfindel as well if you want to play the alternative version and play it book style rather than movie style yeah i mean I'd, I'd settle for for movie style to be honest with you um you just need arwen on asphaloth don't you it doesn't say you needed the, need the one with um her carrying frodo um, it doesn't quite follow the, you know, the the, the full film narrative. Um, but you're essentially trying to get 
uh, escape. <laughs> like most of these, these are all about the hobbits escaping and getting away from the race, which is pretty much every single scenario apart from the farmer maggot one. Um, there is a, obviously a theme that's uh, <laughs> that, that can't be avoided, um, but it does look good fun. Um, and uh, yeah, if I can get hold of nine wraiths and I can afford to get nine wraiths when they come out, part of me hopes it's not a made to order. Because it's not going to be cheap, nine mounted race. And um, the thing is, I love mate orders, but the problem with them is, if I don't know they're coming, and suddenly you need to find a sizable chunk of money, and it's not the right time of the month, it can be a problem. But uh, I really want nine nine wraiths. So I hope they come soon. So if anyone's listening that has any control over that, please. Um, next one, um, Pass of Caradras, and this is the first of the the mini games. So they've had mini games in the the previous um, supplements like this. Uh, um, this uses a, a deck of cards um, and the and the fellowship. And I think you've essentially got to get the obviously the fellowship across the um, across the the mountain without being uh, knocked down by blizzards and avalanches of snow and things like that. And I, I think you you flick cards over and things like that. I've I've, I've skim read the rules and. It might be something we can do as an alternative death match. Depends how long it goes, but I can see us, you and I, playing it uh, for something. Yeah, I definitely think it's doable. I think we whether it's something that we might just talk about on many meetings and say we played it, it was fun, um, rather than make a sort of full thing out of it. Because I don't know how interesting it will be to hear about. Um, but this isn't the only mini mini game as we'll see in a moment, and they definitely again look like something that if I set my uh, camera up for pointing down like I did for the the review of the book, those who've seen on YouTube. Um, I, Dan and I would probably be able to, you know, to play quite nicely, play the game, and, and at least, you know, have something to do in the evenings other than just talk to each other in our distance. But um, looks good fun. Um, and what's the next one, Dan? Uh, Walks in the night, <laughs> which has quite a ferocious uh, number of models needed for the evil side. There. Yeah, I mean, this this won't. I'd like to play it. This isn't one. There's 28 scenarios here. I went and, and like a lot of people have done a list of what I would personally need to purchase in order to um, to do them all. I actually had quite a lot of it. The, the notice purchase and paint are two different things as well. <laughs> I do have an awful lot of them that are unbuilt and unpainted as well. Um, and out of the ones that I would be targeting, this wouldn't be one of those to start with because I just don't need the wild world chief and chief to an 18 wild worlds at this moment in time don't get me wrong they wouldn't be super super long things to paint if i had them i just i've got other things on my list at the moment and uh like, you know i will play it one day but they're, they're not on my shopping list so to speak um but again yeah it's about the fellowship fending off the um the wolves as they argue about which which path to take and whether to go in the mines of Mori or not Again, something from the book, isn't it? This is this this isn't seen in the film. And then after that, we we head into well, we head to the sort of Moria section um, of the the scenario. So the first one is um, the Gates of Moria, which essentially is the 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 Watcher in the Water scenario, the the, the newest rendition of it. Um, so you need a Watcher of the Water and your Fellowship. And after watching Damien and uh, Steve's um, battle on the the last stream. Um, using the old battle games of Middle Earth scenario with the with the, the Watcher's tentacles, I am tempted to pick up a Watcher. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how I am financially. Um, he's a bit more expensive than some of the other things that that I've put in my shopping basket that I need at the moment. He is cool to have, but 
Hmm. I don't need him right now, but um, I am very tempted. Also, means I'll have to build some kind of board with water on it as well. But um, we may end up playing it down because it's another two by two. Um, it could be it could be a fun one to do, um, but it does look cool. But as long as I don't roll as many ones as Steve. <laughs> well, this is this is different because it uses the watcher model rather than the separate tentacle bases. Um, but um, it, it does look cool. It does look cool. It's something that would be, be relatively easy to play for us on the internet, especially as it's one of the two-by-two two boards. Um, and what's the next one? Marlin's Tomb, the old traditional uh, Minds of Moria box set. Yeah, and they they you know they recently brought back, and I think they're sold sold out, aren't they, at the moment? Already, blimey! I heard they were. I haven't checked the website uh, to see whether they still are. Um, I heard they sold out, which is a shame because I was going to order them and I didn't at the time. Yeah, they are temporarily out of stock online. Um, I have got one set, but I was going to get a second set because I wanted four more pillars so I could um, build the scenario properly. Um, so if you look at the map of the scenario. Um, you you basically need eight of those pillars for it to match the the board. Is it two by two? And this is something I really want to do, even though it involves painting twenty four Moria goblins and a, and a cave troll, etc., etc. So I've got a Moria army sitting in the box, and with us pushing Helm's Deep to, to spring now. We talked about this at the first half of the show, so apologies for repeating myself, so, uh, but. I would be open to maybe painting that amount of models in order to play these scenarios this winter while the games, while the book's fresh, so to speak, because uh, it won't really have any long-term effect on you know the things. I don't need my Throne of Skulls army for this winter, and I don't need my need the Helm's Deep stuff now until next spring. So you slot in the my Moria army into this, or it might be quite good, especially when we we talk about the legendary leading a little bit later on, uh, and the and the scenarios coming up. Um, because the next one is Escape from Daradelf. Um and that's the kind of the the the, the f- them fleeing across the um, the stairways and things, and it's pretty much the same army that's uh, you need for the f- in the, uh, the 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 balanced tomb scenario. So if you've ended up painting all those models, then it makes sense to do it again. And this is a three by two board. Um, looks quite cool. Um, and then I suppose. If we skip to the next one, which is the kind of the finisher of these these ones, Dan, and what's the next one? Well, it's the showpiece, isn't it? It's uh, the Bridge of Khazadum. Exactly. Which is uh, it's exactly the same uh, force of Moria, except you swapped your troll for the Balrog. Which I just happened to have in a box ready to go, and I wanted an excuse to paint it. So while these three scenarios, in terms of us playing online, aren't as easy to do because that means me asking you where you want to or who, one of us maybe it's be better if you're the fellowship um, rather, rather than <laughs> kind of moving all of the other the other things but it does tempt me you know these are three three link scenarios that are absolutely seminal from book and film um i don't know it's just it's it feels like it would be a really nice little project now. Um, I've got most of the other things I need painted for the other scenarios. Yes, I've got paint a farmer maggot, um, but that'll be easy. It won't take long at all. Maybe it'll be a really cool little winter project. It's me getting a Moria army painted and making the balanced tomb board. Mm-hmm. I've got a Casa Doom um, a model as it is already. I've got some dwarven towers and things that are, you know, as, as a table, a Moria table that was was made for Flotsam and Jetsam. So I've got terrain for all this stuff. It could be really fun to um, 
get the stuff needed. And even if we don't end up playing it online, it'll be I'll have the stuff ready to play in the future. And that's I've talked about it so much on the podcast about I really wanted to build armies to start playing some of these major scenarios from the from the films and the books. And and this this is this is perfect for it. So those three really do kind of interest me. At least the first and the, you know um, the first and the third one. Um, yeah, very very excited. Um, and then we come to number fifteen, Lothlorien. So this this is again from the book, isn't it? This is not in the film. I think they filmed some of this, but it was it was it was cut before it went to special effects and things. So this is the goblins chasing the fellowship into Lothlorien, and where they first meet Haldir's elves because they come to their aid. Um, we obviously doesn't happen like that in the film. They they wander in and they get captured by the elves. Um, so essentially you've got the Fellowship with Haldir um, in his pyjamas um, and six Wood Elf warriors. I've got Wood Elf, I've got some Wood Elves. I've got about six Wood Elves. I haven't got Haldir in his pyjamas, but you know what? Again, if I'm playing a narrative scenario, I would use the, the armoured one if it meant I could play the scenario. Um, and again, the, the, oh, he needs a Wild Wife chief, chief to donate in Wild World. So maybe this won't be one that I'll be, it'll be jumping to do straight away. But we're not we're not too far off it. Naturally, Wild Wilds have to come back into that. Maybe we'll have to buy some at some point. Um, <laughs> and that's kind that's of that's kind of moved us away then, hasn't it? So we kind of we jump on now um, in terms of the kind of linear narrative to post Lothlorien. Um, and what's the next one, Dan? It's Aragorn's stand. Right then. So yeah. this is where they start sort of breaking down the Ammon Hen stuff, isn't it? Um, so this is the kind of, as Aragorn approaches Frodo just after Boromir's tried to take the ring and um, Aragorn lets him go. And this is Aragorn at the top of the seeing seat taking on hordes of, of Uruk-hai. Um that's the that's the narrative side of it. I think the actual participants you get Frodo and and Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, um, and then you got Lurtz, um, a scout captain, and like twenty four Uruks, and still be quite a still be quite a, a quite a, quite a tricky battle, I imagine, with that many numbers. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I really really want to play this one. Yeah, it's always been one of my favourite parts of the book and definitely want to play with parts of the film yeah so i'd, I'd definitely like to play this one yeah I and because they've got lots of pictures of that beautiful breaking of the fellowship yeah box set yeah I've, I've got terrain for this as well so and i've got the models not all of them painted but i've got the the, the uruk side um and it won't be the scouts aren't necessarily needed for helms deep but they're definitely is part of that painting thing so it might not be till next year but I will be very surprised if we don't get to summer next year and just by just by nature of painting stuff for other armies that I'll have most of the stuff covered here, um, which would be quite cool. This is where I wanted to get to, to be able to you know look at a narrative scenario and go, yeah, I've got the models. Um, and the next one is Boromir's Redemption. So again, it's kind of part of that same link of, of, of scenarios or scenes in the film. Um, and this is, this is Boromir, Merry and Pippin fighting... A fair few Uruks as well, a little bit less this time. So a captain and um, eighteen Uruks. Um, so that stage where he's actually winning the fight at that point and protecting them. I just like the way they link it because the random game length. So you basically, after the eleventh turn, if the royal priorities are draw, it ends. Or in the case of if you play Aragorn stand, 
the duration of that game is when it ends. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. I didn't notice that before, actually. It's some of those little bits that I'm really loving about this book. I mean, they've done it in other um, books they've done. They've the different bits and pieces, Mm -hmm. but particularly good in this and I was uh, I me uh, my nose stuck in that <laughs> yeah no no it's good it's subtle little things and, and again you should tell me your favorite parts of the film and um well you know we will have these models to do even if it's when we meet up next next year maybe on the when we have a weekend we all get together to do Helm's Deep it might be time for some evening games or something or, or the day after and play some of these shouldn't take too long to play at all um could be yeah. could be good fun to, to, to do all three of those um, so that nicely um, brings us on to the, the next one, which is linked again as well. Breaking of Fellowship. Which is Breaking of the Fellowship. And this is the seminal Sean Bean death scene. Um, <laughs> or, or maybe not, if you're extra successful with the way you uh, control him in the in the game. But I imagine it'll be quite hard. Well, yeah, it's um, only Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli and Boromir versus... A chuff load of Urukai, yeah, and it's, it's, you've got to have two heroic uh, characters, two good characters left at the end of it yeah, in order to win. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Um, and uh, Lertz gets the, a shield throw rule in this, which we'll talk about a little bit more because it's he, he, he may or may not get that in his legendary legion later on. But that's very very cool. And that brings you on to um, the next scenario, which is ambush Alan Hen, which is kind of a all-in-one kind of thing, isn't it? So if you didn't want to play the scenario broken down into those three little linked component parts, um, you can just do more of a traditional style Ammon Hen scenario. Um, and I haven't seen whether this, how well this compares with because Ammon Hen's in one of the other newer books as well, isn't it? I have to come in which one it's in. It might be in the Armies of the Rings book or something. I'm sure it's in that or the Raw book. I'm sure it is. It's definitely been done before, but I've got a feeling it's been done more recently. But this again, it's it's your your full fellowship, your 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 broken fellowship, so obviously no Gandalf, um, against the, the Lurts and, and Urukai Scout. Um so this one which is gonna be a little bit easier, isn't it, when you've got the whole fellowship to fight that same amount of numbers. Um but although um Legion of Isengard they still come back. Yes, yes, yeah. So at the end of each move on a roll of D six, um, you're basically respawning on a four up. So there will be more coming back. Really good fun. Um, if you wanted to do it all in one go on a bigger board, um, this would be the way to do it. I quite like doing it as the three smaller ones as well, though. Yeah, I cool. prefer to play it that way. I think it's um, you're getting more of that uh, sort of narrative flavour to it. Yeah, a bit like when we talked about Helm's Deep and how we wanted to do it. And- and Sam mentioned it, and he was quite right. The way to re- recreate the stuff from the film was to break it down into those mini scenarios, because that's what really makes it film like feel like there's little bits from the film. Whereas you play a bigger game, it can just descend into a bigger game in that setting, and it might not follow the narrative. Um, and I think you know we made the decision with Helm's Deem that we wanted it to feel like a big siege, and by breaking it down as cool as that is you would never feel like a big siege. So we were we wanted to find a way to, to kind of force those narratives within the big siege. But with a game of this size, um, you don't necessarily have to do that to get the, get the feel. The feel is, does feel like a smaller engagement, like a skirmisher. Actually, maybe these, the smaller breakdowns might be better. Um, but cool anyway, and it gives you the options to do it, to do it both ways. Um, so what are we on to next? The Taming of Smeagol. 
Cool. And what's this one about? Uh, essentially, um, the two wandering hobbits, Sam and Frodo, and uh, Smeagol. So it's that quite famous bit in the, the film where he uh, gives them a clobbering and then uh, pulls Sting on him and tells him he remembers the bite of Sting. So it's... Uh, yeah. The, the hobbits start sleeping, which is quite interesting, and they've got to try and uh, subdue Gollum, essentially. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Uh, two by two board again. Um, got the miniatures for this. That'd be something that we could we could play around with this winter. Um, and with so few miniatures moving around, we you know we should be quite easy for us to manage without you being here. Um, so I wouldn't mind giving this one a go. Um, I can't imagine it takes too long either. So good fun. I look forward to trying that. And it's this. It's nice to see those smaller, really kind of really trying to recreate recapture really cool bits from the film. You don't always see that scenarios. It's very easy to make scenarios just about pitch battle, isn't it? And ignore the other parts of the film as seen as too much storytelling involved to actually turn them into a miniatures game. Whereas these were almost there's almost a bit D and D here, isn't there? It's there's a game there, yeah. but you're 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 playing along, recreating it with your miniatures rather than them all being battles, so to speak, because that's not a battle. That's about capturing Gollum and like, the Farmer Maggot thing is not about a battle at all, but we're still playing games with our miniatures with the game system Oops. we like, but there's enough changes in there just to just completely change what you're doing with them. Yeah, I quite like the sting rule in this one. That if you lose a fight against Frodo, you must make a courage test, and if you fails it, he instantly uh, surrenders. Which is perfect, isn't it? It's just yeah. really cool little subtle things like that, and yeah, I, we can we can play this really really easily and, and you know play it over and over again a few times and have some fun with it. Um, I don't think it takes too long to do. Yes, yeah, yeah, love it. Really really cool stuff and just sums up the mix of scenarios in the book, um, which moves us on to number twenty one, um, the Dead Marshes, um, another really famous bit from from the film, obviously with Frodo leading Sam and uh, sorry with Gollum leading. Schmeagel, as it would be, leading Sam and Gollum across the marshes, um, and this is this is basically Sam, Frodo, and Schmeagel trying to get across the the marshes, and there's a ring ray from Felbeast, um, which they're trying to hide from, and there's rules for not don't follow the lights with them. Um, you know, don't don't go down into the, the and be caught by the spectres. Spe- there's six dead marsh spectres in this as well, which might be the the problem for people who don't own them, like myself, um, without them being available on the on the web store at the moment. But again, very fluffy, very cool, recreating a, a particular scene from the film that you wouldn't normally associate with a battle scene, um, and and very very cool. Yeah, definitely, I, I really like it. It's, um... Again, minimal models. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I say that dead mask specters problem. I mean, it's nice to use the dead. models. I've got army of dead painted behind me. Um, we there's nothing stopping us playing this scenario using using six dead. It's really, really not going to spoil the immersion. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not not the end of the world at all. And I don't think people, you know, you hear people talking about needing the right models to do these things. This isn't match play. Um, I wouldn't want something that looked like a completely different model. So you don't want to be saying, well, I haven't got a Balrog, so I'm going to use this troll or something like that. Or you're going to use this um, Redemptor Dreadnought from 40K or something like that. <laughs> that, would, that would ruin the immersion. I'd rather use a, a cutout with a picture on or something. But when you're, think, you're doing things like swapping swapping dead mask for, 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 for dead, it's, 
and they're painted, it's not really stretching the imagination too far there um, at all. It looks very cool. And we we move away then from 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 this kind of little mini set of of, of just with Gollum. And uh, what's the next one? Ambush at the Fillion. Yes, very cool. Now this kind so, of ups the ante a bit, doesn't it? On the kind of the models you need in your collection. Yeah, two Mumax. <laughs> <laughs> well, I this is this is going to be one of, not for now, definitely. And but uh, yeah, something for the future. I don't own any Mumax, and uh, I will do one day. But it, it's it's something that's very cool, and I want to play it. But um, this is more of a normal battle, isn't it? This is the, yeah, it's the first of the real pitch battles, I'd say. Yeah, and it, this rings about. Is this in Gondor at War? I wonder. I'm sure I remember seeing something very similar to this in Gondor War. I might be, I might be completely wrong. I might just be watching a battle report on one of the YouTube channels, but I'm sure I remember seeing someone replaying a scenario where you basically had two two mummocks that they were trying to get off one side of the board to the other. Um, I can't remember if it was Lockheed on Zorb or Zorb. I can't remember, but anyway, it's a cool scenario. Um, I'd love to play it one day. I just um, don't have the mummocks, so that will be well down the list of priorities i'm afraid um and then after that we have an osgiliath scenario um so obviously that's covered in in gondor war to, to a certain amount but this is obviously osgiliath with a um faramir frodo and, and sam and schmeagle approach to it so there's 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 a different set it's not an osgiliath in terms of a big pitch battle this is a four by two board um you, your objective is to get Frodo to escape, um, or the ring will be captured. Um, the the orcs don't know that the, the ring bearer is there. It's kind of very different to a, to a standard Osgiliath scenario, so it's quite cool. I quite like this. Um, you still need a fair amount of models because <laughs> uh, there is a big pitch battle going on around it. Um, they give you an idea. So you've got Faramir and you've got... Um, um, Madril and Damrod and Anborn and Mablung and uh, Frodo and uh, Sam and 13 Warriors of Minas Tirith um, and then you've got 12 Rangers as well 6 Osculian Veterans and then when you go up to the Orcs you've got a Ringwraith on Felbeast uh, 3 Orc Captains you've got 37 Orc Warriors um, so it's, it's, there's a lot of models on there and a lot of people have those models so if you've got a, you know, if you've got a Mordor army you're going to probably have the models needed um, if you've got Minas Tirith and Rangers it's, it's, I, I own all of that probably it's not all painted so it's not, it's not beyond the realms of impossibility I do like the look of it um, it's definitely a different style of Osgiliath scenario where the focus is on Frodo escaping rather than uh, just, a, just defeating the Orcs so to speak uh, which brings us on to the second of our card game, Smeagol's Treachery. Absolutely. So, uh, um, again, this is using you've got Sam and Gollum. I think Frodo starts in the middle. You have a line of cards, don't you? And you kind of you have your own deck, and you have to try and you. you I think you're holding. I'm trying to do this from memory now, and you're. you're holding the card away so that your opponent can see it and you've got to guess whether it's going to be higher than the card you flip or something. You can choose whether you're advancing along the cards. It, again, um, not the best thing visually to, to, <laughs> to... or better thing visually to describe rather than to um, talk about on a podcast, but I reckon we'll give this a go as well because um, it'd just be easy to do on an evening 
over the over the webcam much easier than setting up the, the table with scenery and stuff and they look good fun might even be able to get the boys to play some of these card based ones yeah I think it'd be interesting to see if we get them to or how we get them to work yeah and I th- it's I like that these are in there I think they're a really nice way of uh, approaching certain aspects of the narrative that you you couldn't really turn into a miniatures based game on a, on a on a tabletop. There's too much abstracting in moving to make it worthwhile. You become you'd have to become pure role play. Um, so if you can't role play it, then you turn it into a card game really, and it's, it's still a bit of fun. Essentially, it's just a card game. It's not really linked, but I like it. I like that they're in there, um, and I hope they keep doing them. And then after that, we move on to Shalob's Lair, which. Um, Definitely interest me. You've got these models. They're all painted. I think when I started the podcast, when we started last week, I hadn't finished painting the shade of lot. Well, they're done now. I've got to finish the basing on them. So listen, by the time you listen to this podcast, you may have seen pictures of them. So I've got the models to do this. I'd like to do this. Um, it's a 4x4 board as well. It seems very big, but... I suppose yeah, that still Shailab, surprises me. Shalob moves quick, though, doesn't she? I'm trying off the top of my head. Doesn't Shalob move 10? Yeah, well, hobbits don't. <laughs> no, but if it's um, if you go on a two by two board or something, you don't want her kind of be able to to almost cover the whole board in two turns. Um, um, I don't know, um, but I want to play it because it looks cool, um, and I've got the models, so it's such a cool scene from the film. Um, so Frodo's at the centre of the board. Sam Sam's on one edge, and Shalob's on another edge. Um, the hobbits must somehow fend off the vile creature or they will soon find themselves in Shalop's next meal. The game lasts until one side has completed their objective. Um, so the good player wins if Shalop is slain or more likely flees the battlefield. Um, so you've got some little extra things which you um, you wouldn't have with the normal profile. So we, we, we discussed, we, I think we've discussed this in, as part of Deathmatch, haven't we, that we wanted to do this matchup as Deathmatch but we couldn't think of a way to make it um, so that it was possible for the hobbits to win. Not at the uh, time, no. We didn't have this. <laughs> no, we didn't have this, and we were talking about, oh, well, yeah, but the the you know, the light, light of Elendil, and you know, we didn't need to, if own that. It's given that Frodo's given that in the in, by by there uh, by um my God, what's wrong with me? Um, Galadriel. There we go. Should remember that name. Frodo was given that by Gladriel, but he doesn't have it as a in his in his profile, so it couldn't be something we give to Sam. Um, and then Sam doesn't have Sting. So, and the, the in the special rules here, um, there's there's Stings that are out. It's all of it. Yeah, it's all there. And in May, May some of those things may be seen later in the the, the, the breaking of the Fellowship Legendary Legion. So we won't go into them in detail now. But um, by adding those things, it does give them a chance. It's still going to be tough, but. Um, yeah, I definitely want to play this one. Um, and then we move on to... What's the next one, Dan? Uh, Kirithongo. It certainly is. So this is cool. Um, lots of orcs I don't own, so I don't know if we'll be playing it. But um, smaller board again, two by two. Um, I love that the good and evil character... We're both playing with orcs. Yes. And Sam is the wild card. Sam is the extra model, isn't he? So good in inverted commas is Shagrat um, with 15 Mordor or Akai and the evil is Gorbag with 24 Orc Warriors and they're basically fighting and it's the, the player with priority gets to control Sam. Um, Samwise has Elven Cloak and Sting um, and he's got some extra rules, hasn't he? So that's from my old gaffer. 
Sam is distraught by the capture of Frodo and will do anything to save his friend. Sam carries Sting in this scenario and also increases his attack's characteristic to two. Sam may spend a single point of might each turn without depleting his own store, even if he has no might remaining. And additionally, Sam causes terror in this scenario. So Sam becomes this real beast of a little a little fighter and I love it. I think it's fantastic. A mighty elf warrior. <laughs> yes, it, and it's brilliant. It's so it's so simple and so subtle and I love the way that he, rather than him being the good side of like, because there's no other, there's no way you could have recreated that with him being on his own. You would have to have made it to a small kind of can he sneak through kind of scenario, which is not what he does. He makes a lot of noise about him about himself coming. So the way to do it is well, let's make it a battle between two sets of orcs. Let's recreate the fight, and then Sam becomes the wild card, and there's a bit of fun between the two players. But taking in turns and what priorities you could use this mighty elf warrior to bash the other side. So I love it. I think it's really really cool. And um, once my Mordor army is painted I'll, uh, I'll have these models to do it and, and definitely we'll give it a go at some point very 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 cool but the fact that um it's whoever's holding mithril cope when either sam is slain or frodo yes. uh, to determine victory i think it's fantastic yeah i should have said that really i was so excited that sam got a buff that uh, <laughs> i forgot to mention yeah. what the, the objectives might be but again we're trying to give it a bit of a flavor rather than kind of because there's 28 snow. If there was 10, maybe we'd have gone right. Well, this is the objective for this one. This is all you have to do. Um, we don't want to make this a, a four-hour segment for the podcast. You know, a lot of you will have this book anyway, or should go out and buy it. And like we also said at the beginning, we will play some of these scenarios and give them a bit more of in-depth treatment. But um, yeah, we will. We are dipping in and out of things here and picking some of the cool stuff out. Um, next one is Plateau of Gorgoroth. So, um, Plateau of Gorgoth, that's basically Frodo and Sam in orc armour, isn't it? Um, trying to kind of not be cut noticed. Cut way through the camp. Yeah, yeah cut, it's a smaller board again, two by two. Um, so you've just got Frodo and Sam, you've got orc captain, taskmaster, and 24 orcs. And the objective is to basically, they must you've got to get past the orcs without being found out. Um, game lasts for 10 turns, and you've got to basically escape... Um, by the eastern board edge so quite like it um i think quite a few people will have those models if you wanted to you know the ones in all karma that i can see them maybe coming back on a made to order or something i think i see them on ebay quite often and they're not ridiculously expensive compared to some other things um at some point once the once i've walks painted i can you know maybe see giving it a go it's got good fun and it definitely recreates again another famous part from the film that you might not have seen in a in a scenario and that's what this this whole theme of following the ring bearer is really you could have done gone two ways couldn't it you could have had very few scenarios um because well, they're not really pitch battles so to speak or you do what 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 jay and rob have done here and really kind of thought outside the box and just oh no we're still going to recreate this we'll just design some special rules to make it work so that you're not just trying to kill stuff all the time you're trying to do other stuff even if they are quick games but very cool which brings us on to the last one, Dan. And what's this one? The end of all things, appropriately. Yeah, this. So this, this is special. This is, cool. this is pretty cool. This is special. But I'll let you talk about it. Well, you get two tables for a start. So you've got your big four by four, which is uh, the free peoples of Middle Earth riding forth to the Black Gate to challenge Sauron and uh, draw his eye away from the plane of Gorgoth, so Frodo can complete his quest. And then a two-by-two two table with Frodo, Sam, and Gollum to have a scrap on uh, the footsteps of Mount Doom. It's, it's um, yeah, it's great. 
I really like this. I think it's going to be one of those ones that I'd love to play, but it have to be well planned. Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah, definitely. You need, there's a lot of special rules as well. There's um, sort of the the rules that for for, for Frodo struggling mm-hmm. with his, his his battle against the power of the ring, and it's not a matter of just getting to the end of the throwing the ring in. Um, there's 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 some really really cool bits in there. Uh, the game is essentially down to who destroys the ring rather than what goes on in the main battle. I think that's kind of a side thing, but the battle's big as well. You know, we're we're talking. 50 Moran and Orcs, um, a Mordor Troll Chieftain, which gets a bit of a buff, I think, as well. Um, Mouth of Sauron. Um, and there's probably uh, like 50 odd good warriors as well. So it's, it's, it's not a small, <laughs> it's not a small size battle for the main part as well outside the Black Gate. So it would be a very cool thing to do, spend a, spend a, a long afternoon playing this, maybe with four people or five people or something. Someone maybe games mastering between the two tables and things would be quite cool but like it looks really cool and, and a really interesting way of doing it you could have very easily made that two scenarios can you or or made a mini game out of the the the, the ring bit and just done a black gate scenario but to actually kind of turn, <laughs> you know to kind of combine the two things i think is a, a really cool way of approaching it and uh yeah um lots of models that i haven't got painted i think a lot of people will have these models though an awful lot of people, like if you've got Minas Tirith and Rowan armies readily painted um, and some and some mortal stuff, you'd be able to do these. Um, it seems quite accessible. Um, I think overall, looking at all of those scenarios, there's a lot of them at very su- accessible. There's a lot of them at different size levels. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to really kind of delving into quite a few of these. And as I've said over and over again during recording this, that I think we'll give quite a few a go using the, using the webcam until we can get together, um, especially some of the more simple ones where it would kind of um, relate nicely to to that kind of that kind of gaming. Have you many? Have you got any kind of thoughts on as an overview of of, of the scenarios, Dan? Uh, all of them, or just this particular one here? Um, but gen- generally, they're all really good. Uh, there's a lot of thought that's evidently gone into this. It's a lot of love. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes out of it in, in oodles, oodles. So after that, we've got um, we got the scenario, the link scenario for it. Um, so you could play all of those scenarios as part of a link scenario called the Journey of the Ringbearer. Um, and basically, there's, there's some rules in there as to how you manage if your heroes are dying and, and so to speak. So you sort of roll on a table. If you roll on one, they're dead. Otherwise, they come back as wounded or completely recovered on a four plus. I think there's like save points, so to speak, within the within the um, scenarios. I write rest points. So when you get to the house of Tom Bombadil, um, I think everyone that's alive then gets back up to full um, full stat level and things, which is a quite a nice way of doing it as well. So it kind of breaks them down into to mini sections. I think the next rest point is Lothlorien. So you've got all the miniatures and you've got the time to do it, working your way through all of those 28. It's one big linked um um, campaign is very 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 cool um and that's the kind of that's the, the the narrative the pure narrative section of the book which which makes up um the first what nearly 80 pages of it um and then after that we we get on to um the um the kind of the more match play focus side of things um 
And the, the next bit is the army list section. As I sort of talked about at the beginning, it's the army. They give you any armies that are covered in terms of having new profiles or are covered as a legendary legion. They give you an updated front page that you'd have in the relative army books, which added any new profiles so you know that there's additional units they could take, etc. And it mentions the army bonus if they have one. Um, so we won't go through these in great detail because you know people don't need to know what the fellowships thing is or the rangers thing is etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and we, we decided we're not going to talk about the two um new ranger profiles because we mentioned them in the last podcast when they were really you know they were spoiled as um as get you by rules but they haven't changed um so those are the same as we discussed in the last episode um so then it brings us on to um additions to the wanderers in the wild um army list and there are two um and we talked about the models already we have barnum and butterbear and harry goatleaf so dan do you want to do you want to talk about barnum's stats and read them out and we can have a little chat about him yeah for sure so it's barnum and butterbear he's 40 points he is a man he's infantry and he's a minor hero so he carries a cudgel or a club he is movement six Fight three slash four plus, strength three, defense four, one attack, two wounds, four courage, one might, three will, two fate. And he has heroic resolve and heroic defense. So he's, you know, he's not going to win particularly too many fights. So but you know, don't expect him to uh, start beating bit, up though. in waves. Hang around a bit, two wounds. He's uh, defense four, but it's, 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 it's for someone that's only wearing a, an apron, that's pretty good. Um, with the heroic defense and resolve there as well, he's, he's got some staying power. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, special rules Barlow and Butterbur at your service. So, during his move phase, if Barlow and Butterbur is in base contact with a friendly hero model, he can spend a will point to use this ability. If he does, on a d6 roll of 5, plus, the hero regains a wound lost early in the battle. If Barlow and Butterbur uses a special rule on a hero from the Fellowship Army list, they regain a lost wound on a 4 plus instead. So that's pretty good. It's really good. So he's, he's a field medic, essentially. And that's kind of, you know, that's why he's 40 points for for his stat line. Um, I think that's really cool, and I can see him being used. Uh, and as mentioned before, um, you can include Bill the Pony for a mere 10 points. Which is true. And Barlaman may benefit from Bill the Pony's official meals and second breakfast special rule. That's, that's really good, that, isn't it? Isn't it? Because he's 24. 25 points in the fellowship, isn't he, Bill the Pony? So having him for 10 points is really, really good. So um, it's quite a good utility piece there. So how does he get into people's armies then? What's his, because he's not on the Matrix being a a, no. uh, a wanderer in the wild. He's historical allies with the fellowship. So actually that's really good, isn't it? Because uh, it basically means you wouldn't bother taking Bill as part of the fellowship. You'd just take Barlaman and yep. chuck Bill in. <laughs> yes. So essentially Barlaman's 25 points. Yes, that's it. So if you can yeah, squeeze that in, um, I love it. I think it's really, really cool. Well, he's convenient allies with the Shire, the Rangers, Ministerith, the Fiefdoms, the Dead of Dunharrow, which is interesting, uh, Rohan, Wildman of Druidan, Rivendell, Lothlorien, Halls of Thranduil, Fangorn, and the Misty Mountains. So the idea of running in with Fangorn and giving uh, an end his wounds back, and maybe you've got end draft behind those taps on 5+. plus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hopefully, hopefully, uh, we're not we're not competitive tournament scene players, so people might come up with cool interactions for that. But uh, I, I'd like to see use them in games with the fellowship, or definitely use them in narrative stuff. 
The only thing I'm disappointed is he's not really uh, an ally with any of the dwarven contingents, considering how many dwarves, you know, quite famously drink in his pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, maybe they owe him a tab or something, I don't know. Yeah, um, Because he, he's impossible allies with all other army lists. trying to work out what what rule what, why they've done that usually it's because it's of an interaction it's interaction or time period isn't it um, well um thorin sat and drank in his bar didn't he yeah. although they probably wasn't owned by him at the yeah, time I was gonna say, because we didn't, we didn't see who was the proprietor of of the prancing pony at that stage and um, so yeah, I'll get in that. Swear it's mentioned in the books though. Occasionally you get the dwarves three. Well, that's yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I am surprised dwarves aren't on there for that. But 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 who knows? Who knows? Who knows where that's mentioned as well? Because if it's not mentioned in the right text, then they might not have the rights to it. But um, well, let's I, carry on. You tell us all about Harry Goatleaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we're getting very caught up on 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 allies that Butterbur is never going to have anyway. Uh, so Harry Goatleaf is also forty points. He's a man, ruffian, infantry hero, and he's a minor hero. Uh, so he's move six, fight three, four, strength three, defense three, attacks one, two wounds, courage three, one might, three will, one fate. And he has a dagger and a lantern. Um, so this is where his, his points come from. So his lantern is passive. Um, it's an area within 12-inch radius of Harry Goatleaf is illuminated as if they were in daylight. Models in this area can be seen clearly unless another special rule would prevent them from doing so. So that could be quite cool, especially in some scenario play like Clash by Moonlight or something like that. Um, special rules, Gatekeeper. This is an active one. As a gatekeeper debris, Harry's, it's Harry's job to allow friendly travellers through the gates whilst keeping any troublemakers out. During the priority phase, after priority has been rolled, Harry Goatleaf may spend a point of will to use this special rule. If he does so, select one enemy inventory model within six inches and line of sight of Harry Goatleaf and roll a d6. On a three plus, the chosen model cannot move that turn, though they can still do anything else they would normally be able to do. Harry may use might to influence this roll. Monster models are unaffected. So, I'm not, you know... I'm not sure of all the interactions you could possibly use them. I'm sure there are competitive players out there already thinking, oh, if I hadn't used them in this army, I could stop this model from moving there, which means I could do that. Um, I can see it being, you can see how you've been useful. You can see people not being able to, you get the right hero and it stops them calling heroic moves or it marches, um, heroic combats and things and really kind of um, could mess someone's turn up if you stop the right model from moving. Um, or just keep them in place so that you can get your own models into them. So some cool interactions there. Um, allies, so Harry Goatleaf can either be taken as a good or an evil model, and I think this is where it will become interesting. So if he's taken as a good model, he has historical allies with the Fellowship, and his convenient allies with the Rangers, Minas Tirith, the Fiefdoms, the Dill of Dunharrow, Rohan, Wildman of Durandu, um, Rivendell, Lothlorien, Fangorn, Misty Mountains, and his impossible allies with all other army lists. Um, I think the interesting thing is he's, he's a ruffian, so you're going to see him in, in, in ruffian lists. Maybe it makes them a little bit better. Um, and a new, uh, hero of fortitude of that in their yes, list. So when he's a, yeah, so when he's taken in a ruffian list, he's a hero of fortitude, so he'll be able to lead models as well. Um, and that's kind of widely known as, a, as an under, more of an underpowered 
faction, so to speak, an underpowered list, um, including their legendary legion as well. So he, he's part of that legendary legion now. So I can imagine pe- Ruffians players definitely wanting him. Um, it's quite interesting him being allies with the Fellowship. I'm trying to remember what. So, so in the film, he just gets flattened, doesn't he, by the by the wraiths coming through the the gate. So. I always assumed he was dead from that point um, in the films. And he didn't get up after the <laughs> flattened by the the gate. And in the and in the books, he's 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 evil essentially, isn't he? He's he's part of um, part of the rogues and part of the ruffians. So it's interesting that he's um, can be um, historical allies with the fellowship. I suppose. In fact, I don't know why he would be. Um, I mean, he lets them in the gate. He lets the hobbits in the gate. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe toys with Strider. Maybe lets him in. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I just the only thing. I don't think it's a problem, but because uh, because he's clearly a, a ruffian hero, and that's one thing where you'll see him more. Apart from in that scenario, I don't see see him being used too much. Um, but um, I don't know. It's yeah, I'm trying to work out why he is, but there'll, there'll be a reason for it that's really obvious and I'm missing. But cool fun characters they're not you know i don't think they're going to be better changing in a, in a massive way but i can see at the right points level them having the right use and interactions um be interesting to hear some people who have got some some of the competitive minded players that are, that are really right really good listen things i'm sure when we listen to the green dragon and and they talk about it i'm sure that if they've got some cool uses they'll come up with some cool interactions i'll be looking forward to seeing what what people have in mind for that um but they're just cool models and I'm, I'm looking forward to owning them just for the narrative play stuff um, if they have uses beyond that fantastic um, and then there's that's pretty much the end of the, the army list section they do mention um, things that will be coming up in the legendary legions but we'll talk about that when we talk about legendary legions which is the next section so Indeed. what's the first legendary legion then? well breaking of the fellowship Fantastic. So this is um, this is obviously brand new. Um, we have a fellowship army list before, but this is the fellowship as as they are without Gandalf, um, and essentially sort of post Lothlorien, um, Amon Hen kind of era before they've um, fully broken up. I suppose if they're all together. Um, so do you want to take us through the the army composition and points? I think they're all standard points. Yeah, pretty much seem to be. So we've got Aragorn Strider at 160, Legolas Greenleaf at 100, Gimli at 100, Boromir of Gondor at 95, although he can also be 100 with a shield. It's five points. Frodo Baggins with Mithrakot and Sting, he is 80 points. Uh, Samwise Gamgee at 40, Merry at 10, and period Pippin at 10. And uh, what's cool about it, so they've got additional rules. So breaking of a fellowship force must always include Aragorn Strider who's the army's leader, makes sense um, and is always deployed as a single warband with Aragorn as the captain um, and all models in his force gain a elven cloak for free so it's effectively five points each aren't they, so it's four, eight, eight of them, so 40 points off your cost of the army if you just used, you know, made this list using the uh, original um, fellowship list isn't it 600 point army doesn't it when it adds up to I remember I haven't just added that up but I seem to remember Jay talking about it on the uh, on the walk on podcast um, I think they basically this is desert. you could it's, use, it you could do exactly it smaller but it's exactly a 600 point army list which is cool and there's a lot of 600 point events out there so um, I wonder whether we might see them because the special rules are pretty cool 
Um, so if I take, we just take it in turns to take the special rules. So they are called the Gifts of Galadriel. Upon leaving Lothlorien, the Fellowship are presented with a series of gifts to aid them in their quest. Each member of the Fellowship will gain the the list will gain the item listed below, which will have the effects detailed. So Frodo starts with the, the lighter Arendel. Um, each turn, Frodo may use a single free will point to attempt to cast a blinding light magical power. This is cast on a three plus and cannot be channeled. Frodo cannot use this if he's wearing the ring. That's, that's pretty good, isn't it? That's pretty no, it's cool. bloody good. It's <laughs> really, really good. Um, uh, Sam has the Elven Rope. Uh, Sam always counts as rolling six for any climb, jump, or leap test he has to make. So he turns into Spider-Man. That's amazing. That's so cool. I, I love this. I really love this. Merry and Pippin, Daggers of Noldorin. Merry and Pippin may re-roll failed to wound rolls in combat. <laughs> <laughs> These are all really Proper good. Slayers. <laughs> they need it with their, their, their stat lines. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we've got Aragorn with an Elven Dagger. This is an Elven main dagger with the Uruk High Bane special rule. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Does, is, isn't the Bane rule when you roll D3 for wounds or something? Or is it an extra die? I can't remember. I think it's D3 wounds for, for a Bane. Um, it's, it's pretty good, though. That is well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Legolas, bow of the Gladrim. Whilst within three inches of a friendly model, Legolas may re-roll any failed to hit rolls while shooting. That's like auto hitting with Legolas, isn't it? That's yeah, with a two plus, yeah. But that's that's, that, that's him, kind of. When you see him, kind of there, machine gun pinging, isn't it? it? Like instead of hitting people with his blades, he's just there, kind of shooting people from a couple of yards away from them, and I love it. It's really themey as well as being really good. Yeah, and you've got Gimli with Galadriel's locks. Gimli may re-roll all dice in a dual roll. Gimli may only use this ability three times per game. Wow, I don't think you're going to need to use it more than three times per game. He's just going to murder things. That's amazing. So one per lock of hair. I love it. Really, really cool. I hope, though, that no one no one uses real hair to uh, to mark this out on their, on their Gimli model. Um, just mark it, mark it on your card or something. Um, I love it. Really, really cool. Um, Boromir gets his golden belts, and this is from the books, not in the film. Boromir doesn't get anything in the film, does he? They, they cut that or do just. I think I remember watching Peter Jackson and, and talking about it in the extra, sort of saying, oh, it just seemed a bit naff that they all they were all given a bit like the 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 the, the three hairs for Gimli's that you couldn't really put it on camera because what's he going to do holding some hair that you can't see? And it was the same with the belt that you just look a bit weird giving him a golden belt. But um, Boromir gains the woodland creature special rule. I suppose that's probably the one that's harder for them to think of something that what does the belt do? Uh, well, I was given by some elves, so I say woodland creature, but it's still cool still cool um and then there's some more special rules as well if that wasn't enough there are more special rules so what's the next one now uh blessing of gladriel uh friendly models always counts having had the fortify spirit magical power cast upon them this is always in effect even if their will points have been reduced to zero oh. that's pretty good yes yeah it just, it, i think this is going to be quite competitive this is low model count but they got so many tools here so many cool tools anyway uh, I, I love it. I really, really do. And it's kind of filling. They're, they're given some of the tools that they're losing with Gandalf, aren't they? So you've got Blinding Light, etc., etc. I just think, I think this is quite cool. So the next one, anyway, is the, the Bond of the Bond of Fellowship. When forced to fight, the Fellowship will give their all to ensure the protection of their friends. Models from this legendary legion count as in a range of a banner. If there is another friendly model within three inches, well, yeah, you, you 
you're going to be fighting them in little groups, aren't you? Um, this is brilliant. Think of all those banner re-rolls. You're basically in three images of another model. Re-roll that. Just, that's insanely good. I really think it's, and it's so cool. Wow. Yeah, I think this is this is cool. I think you'll see this. I think it's just, I, I might be completely wrong, but I, I imagine that people that are, are good players that are good at working through scenario. Obviously, there's going to be some scenarios that are, you're really going to suffer from the lower numbers, but... I just think good players, which is not including myself in that, could be quite good with this this kind of precision tool of an army list. Plus, you get to use those awesome models. Yeah. It really is such a beautiful, beautiful it, set of models. Yeah, I really hope they bring them back. Um, I quite like my plastic three hunters, so I'd happily use those, but I still need a, a Boromir and um, four hobbits with elven cloaks. And uh, I've got Frodo and Sam with the right cloaks because I've got the Shalob Sam and I've got the Athelian Sam and, and Frodo, but I haven't got Merry and Pippin with, with Elven cloaks or Barnum with Elven cloaks. So, unless I'm going to convert them, um, I need that kind of, I need that breaking of the fellowship set to come back. But um, I think it's the best Frodo model as well. Um, yeah, you might be right, actually. Yeah. I like the Athenian one. Yeah, I, they're up there, definitely up there, um, definitely. Up there. Right. Sorry. Anyway, there's still one more special rule, and I'm already kind of lording this. Um, lording this. Yes, case. you have my sword. As long as Frodo is alive and on the table, or escapes in the board and scenarios where this applies, all models from this legendary legion gain the fearless special rule. <laughs> Additionally, this force will never be considered broken whilst Frodo is alive and on the table, Incredible. or escapes where appropriate. This is. This is really good, really good. And I've never been, I've never looked at these kind of lists and thought, oh, that's the kind of game I want to play in terms of take to a, to, to a match play event. Um, I always think, oh, it's too, too small model count, too many special rules to get my head around, too many, too much, too many heroics. And, but I don't know, I love the special rules and there's so much that really makes me want to take this eight model <laughs> um, Legendary Legion to an event. I think it's really cool. Really like it. Really cool. Um, have you got any more thoughts on it? I've just been waxing lyrical about it, but I just think it's so themey that it's put together, but also it's going to be quite competitive at the same time in the right scenario. I just think more than anything, it's an excuse to use those models. I know I keep harping on about it, but that's the reason I do offer this stuff to use cool models. And it's by far my favourite fellowship set, even if it has got Gandalf missing. So well, Sam, regardless of anything else. Well, Sam's just, got these, isn't he? Painted. Um, yes, paint them all. He, he obviously wasn't bringing them all to to Flotsam and Jetsam, but he um he, he had this lot painted. So um um yeah, I think when he when he listens to this and finds out about those, he might be quite chuffed because I know it's, it's this this kind of thing sounds right up his alley as well. So I think he might enjoy playing them. Very fluffy. Right, let's bring us on to the next one, Dan. What's what's the next legendary legion? Uh, the infamous Rangers of Athelion. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as I can tell, this hasn't changed at all from the um, Gondor War book, apart from the addition of um, Anborn and Mad, Mab Blung. Um, so they're just in there now, so it's official. I don't think there's any other changes apart from those two are also added to the list of characters that are able to... Basically, yeah, they included. Get, get, yeah, get, yeah, they're included, and they they can get around the um the the bow limit thing. So, um, so yeah, Rangers of Gondor in warbands led by Faramir, Medral, Damrod, Anborn, and Mablam do not count towards the force's bow limit. Um, so this is where you're probably the t- the toughest part of the army. Um, 
theme-wise, again, this is absolutely perfect for the Rangers list. Um, you've got Osgiliath in there as well. Can he, he can kind of do two jobs, kind of? It could be you, you force at Osgiliath when they um, when, when Gothmog attacks in his boats, but he can also be your um, your Athelian kind of almost pure Ranger list as well. So theme wise, it does it. It's fantastic. Um, it's, it's all about how good they are at certain points levels when people are taking all, all Ranger shooty lists and things. So um, I've not I've played against it once. Um, the player had Oscarly Fets and stuff as well, so it wasn't just pure bows, but there are a lot of bows. Um, I had a nice game, but, you know, the bows do make it, as I say, a little bit. You are standing back while um, you're getting shot and not able to do stuff for a while. It can be a bit of a negative play. That's not criticism. You've got to include it in the game, I think. Um, it's just, just one of those things, really. I know some people won't take it to events and stuff because they think of it as negative play. Um, some people will. Um, it's for match play stuff. You know, I wouldn't. I would never complain if I came up against it it's within the game, within the rules. I think Anborn and Mablung definitely don't make it any worse, do they? And they've got really no. cool, they've got really cool special rules that we talked about in the last last show, and the fact that they're also added to. There's two more captains there that you can take. Well, two more characters that you can take that can can lead models, and it adds the number of bows that you could take to that army, isn't it? So they they essentially made the problem a little bit worse, and <laughs> um, I mean that in the nicest possible way. Um, I'm glad they're there. They're awesome models. I will pick them up, and I will have this army, but it'll be probably for um, narrative style play because I don't want to give people bad experiences. I'm not a good enough player, and I wouldn't want to be able to have all bows and stand at the back and shoot people with the board and, and beat people through lack of skill, so to speak. Um, it's not I, not my kind of thing, but. Yeah, still cool, still cool. I think we should move on. Um, <laughs> next one is, now this one was um, very well received, I believe. People are excited about this and people have been asking for this for a while. And this is Lurtz's Scouts. Um, so tell us the composition of this one now. So we've got Lurtz with Shield, 90. Ugluk at 65. Muha or Malha at 60 points. Uh, you can take an Uruk High Scout Captain. Uh, you can have a bow, shield, or two-handed weapon because we're not going to access that awesome model with the axe. Yeah, Urukai drummer, and then you've got Urukai scouts. Uh, you can have banners, Urukai bow, or shield. So some pretty cool stuff in there, and they must always be led by Lurts. Yeah, it's a fantastic. So basically, this is this is a lot of people were run were, were already running uh, scout only um, Isengard armies, um, often, often led by Maher. Um, but or having Uglug, led by Uglug with Maho in there because of his um, ability to to kind of add movement to to your scouts, um, and that's covered by a, a special rule really. So this is kind of just like taking that theme idea and, and making it official as a legendary legion. So the first special rule is relentless march. Having been sent to find the halflings and return them to Orthanc, the Urukai will stop at nothing to reach their quarry. If your army includes Maho, then any Urukai scouts in your force may be upgraded to Maho's Marauders rather than just the ones in Maho's Warband. This upgrade is free rather than costing one point. Additionally, Lurch, Uglug, Urukai captains, and Urukai drummers increase their move to eight. Additionally, friendly models gain the Woodland Creature special rule. That's really good. So it's going to be a super quick, maneuverable army. Woodland Creature as well. Very cool, very themey. Uh, I can see this being taken a lot. Um, what's what's the next special rule? A worthy foe. 
Lurts may declare a heroic challenge against any hero. Additionally, if Lurts declares a heroic challenge and the targeted hero declines, then Lurts regains the might points spent in declaring the heroic challenge. I mean, that's quite, you know, thematic. Basically, he, he gives no stuff, so he's going to call you out and then hit you in the face with a sword. Yes. Yes, pretty much. Um, I mean, there's lots of there'll always be discussion around how much heroic challenge is, is useful. It's probably the le- one of the least used heroics around. I've never used it. Um, it does make it better. It does make give some more um, reason to not decline, um, um, especially with him getting his, his might back. He could, I know, he could be using him to. Um, I don't know. Y- you can force people into kind of. Spending might when they might need to. Um, I think it's cool. I don't think it's you know as good as the relentless march rule, um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 got some it's got some use to it. Um, and then the final one is shield throw, which is cool. This is the narrative based special rule. I'd say this was in, this is added to one of the narrative scenarios we talked about earlier. Um, so once per game, Lurtz can use his shield as a throwing weapon, which we saw in that epic fight with, with Aragorn when he throws it and he pins him to the, the tree. Um, this has a strength the strength of four, and, a, and any man-sized or smaller model hit by the shield is automatically not prone. That's cool. That's really cool. Once Lurtz has thrown his shield, he no longer carries it and cannot use it for the remainder of the game. Note that even though he no longer has the shield, Lurtz's defences will not be reduced. So you're just going to, need to lose the ability to shield rather than his defence go down. That's great. Um, I can see it being used as well. You knock, you know, you, so you throwing weapons and on the charge, can't you? So you imagine him throwing it, knocking someone prone, and then going in and uh, oh, yeah. squishing strikes. Yeah, really good. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, I think the the relentless march rule in there that you're able to to make this a really fast um, army, which is what people wanted anyway. Uh, I think it's great. I think it'll be taken, and I think it'll be fairly competitive. I imagine. I think um, that that maneuverability and that move eight on everyone is going to be great. Um, woodland creature as well. Um, Oh, it's a nice, like, I, th- I think it's good. I think it's a really nice army. It's it's relatively these, cheap army these as well. Berserkers. These <laughs> I knew you'd say that. It's a relatively cheap army as well. You know, these are these are older sculpts and things. I think pretty much all plastic, isn't it? Yeah. If, you, if, you, if this is some of your favourite scenes from the film, and you're kind of the evil sided player rather than a, a fellowship sided player, you can pick these models up really cheap. You can pick up the scouts. Um, on on eBay, you could do this army very cheaply and have a very competitive theme force with a really cool set of rules. I love it. Very, very good. Um, what's the next one then, Dan? Uh, Depth of Moria. Right then. So I'll tell you, what, I'll, I'll go for the army composition on this one then. So this is essentially your Moria list as in the film rather than the ones that the, the expanded list you see in the in the armies of um, Lord of the Rings uh, book so you haven't got your Durbers you haven't got your named captains and things which you don't see in the film you haven't got all the little extras like your, your goblin war riders and stuff like that so your, your army is led by the Balrog at 350 points and you can take Moria goblin captains at 35 points that can take bows and shields Moria goblin shamans Moria goblin black shield captains Moria goblin black shield shamans Moria Goblin Drum, Moria Goblin Warriors, Moria Goblin Black Shields, Black Shield Drummers, Goblin Prowlers, and Cave Trolls. So basically very themey to all the scenes you see with a fellowship in in the mines of Moria. 
um, the, the models you need, funnily enough, for all those scenarios that we were talking about earlier. Um, and I will definitely have the models sitting in a box behind me, and this might be my next kind of mini, unexpected mini army project. Um, so additional rules, a depth of Moria Force will always be read by the Barog as the army leader. So what's the first special rule, Dan? Shadow. So shooting attacks that target the Barog will only ever hit on a fireball. So I'm interested to see how that interacts with, for instance, Legolas, who always hits on a two. Uh, that's a good, good question. Yeah, that will that will be asked as an FAQ, won't it? And someone's probably shouting now, saying, "Well, this takes the president because of this or that." But yeah, I don't, I wouldn't know off the top of my head there, because um, they seem automatically contradictory, and there's no extra line that says, unlike you see sometimes, unless there's another rule that says this or that. So interesting well i'll read the next special rule which isn't the one directly under it but it makes sense because it's and flame um by wreathing itself in fire the balrog is capable of unleashing it upon those that stand before it so once per game at the start of the shoot phase the balrog may select a single enemy models within three inches of it and roll a d6 on a two plus the model is immediately set ablaze this is an active ability after the balrog has used its disability it no longer benefits from the shadow and a ability and provided by Ledger and Legion. So once you've done the, the the flame bit, you can't get the shadow bit anymore, which makes sense. You've um you've turned the lights on essentially. Um so people can now see you. But still cool. Still cool. Um and I suppose there'll be a time in the game where you choose where that's more useful to you than um than not being able to hit because people will want to try and plink some wounds off at range. Yeah, definitely um solid. Um Dominion of the Balrog is another next one. So friendly goblin models within six inches of Balrog gain a bonus of plus one to their fight value. Additionally, this army will never be considered broken as long as the Balrog has six or more wounds remaining. Should the Balrog have five or fewer wounds remaining, then the army will break as normal. If the Balrog is slain, the army will immediately count as broken. So here is the linchpin. Yes, and that's the way it should be. That's quite cool. Um, as much as uh, as much as the the fellowship thought that the goblins were running away from them, um, they were running away from the Balrog. He is the big boss. He's the one that's in charge, and he tolerates them in Moria. I imagine more than anything else. Uh, but I do like it. I like the theme behind this. Um, it's just quite cool. And then the final special rule is drums in the deep. The sound of the goblins' drums can be heard reverberating throughout the dark halls of Moria. The effects of the Moria goblin or Morian blackshed drum are increased from 18 inches to battlefield wide this is good this is good additionally so long as the drum and at least one drum are alive then the drum will count as a banner for the purpose of victory points in scenarios that award victory points for having a banner left alive really cool fantastic I, again it's quite themey you hear drums in the deep you in, in those moria scenes it kind of all fits together nicely I like it. This for me fits like the last um, Legendary Legion. I think it, it it seems like it's it's competitive and playable um, without being overpowered on paper. But it's very themey. It's nice and simple and streamlined, which is exactly what Legendary Legion should be. Um, and it kind of it does what it says on the tin. I love this. I love this way of collecting armies, especially if they're not faction. If you you know, I, I don't. I think I've said it before about you know wanting to create armies so that I could redo the narrative scenarios from the films, and I wanted a sizable enough army, but I don't always want to create or collect a whole faction for them at this stage. I might go back in the future. So when I bought some Moria stuff, I've not bought the extras really. Yes, I, I think I bought Durbers, but I've not gone and added you know the Moria goblins on wilds. I didn't really have any intention to do those because I can't see myself 
running it as a as a force that I play all the time. But I really wanted to do, recreate stuff on the films and a legendary legion to kind of just give you a way of collecting that army in a in a one list version of it, and that is perfect. Really, I love it. Really, really cool. It definitely seems well thought out. Again, you can see the love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I, I, I'm a big fan of Legendary Legions. I, I love the way that uh, they, they aid you to create narrative from those films and books, but also give you a, a playable match playlist. Um, and it simplifies it really for me. It makes it easier, especially for someone who doesn't play a lot of match play gaming. And you've got some of the larger factions when you've got a lot of entries in there. The Hobbit ones are a little bit easier because they're smaller factions, but you often think, "Well, where do I start?" So, well, you just go for the Legendary Legions and then and pick stuff that's based on what what you've seen in the films. So, what's the what's what's the next one then, Dan? Well, it's the biggie, the one that I've always hoped for, and the Black Riders. Yes, yes, very cool. It looks too. So, uh, what what's the army composition for this one? Well, it's uh, the Witch King of Angmar on horse, uh, obviously with these variable points limit because he can have. Uh, extra bits and pieces um and you can be given a morgul blade so notably can't have the crown uh and the ring on horse again with your variable points limit because you can take more to your extra abilities yes so yes. uh black uh a that's some really interesting uh english here. a the black riders force <laughs> must always include the witching of angmar who's always the army's leader the witching of angmar counts as a hero of legend in this legendary legion only a maximum of nine models can be included in this legendary legion, as if you needed to be told. <laughs> <laughs> kind of one of those things where it probably yeah, it should be. It just doesn't read right, does it, I suppose? Hey, the Black Riders. Yeah, it's because it's called the Black Riders rather than Black Riders. Interesting. Not that it matters. Not that it matters. I, I think this is great. So they, they've got lots of special rules. So I'm not a fay with this army at all. I'm not. I've not looked in depth at the profiles. I've never... I've played against the odd um, one in an army list, but I've never really kind of looked at look at looked at race, so I'm not going to pretend I'm a expert at all here. Um, I've painted the nine; that's about as far as they go. Um, but um, I I gather that not having the crown is is something that, that a lot of players might miss. Um, but these special rules probably go a long way to um, allay some of that and make this quite a playable list. So if I kick us off then, so the first special rule is terror in the night. The sight of the Black Riders is enough to chill even the bravest hearts, even more so the more of them that are nearby. So um, the, a model in range of between four and six models from this force with the harbinger of evil special rule suffers an additional minus one to their courage value. A model in range of between seven and nine models from this force with the harbinger of evil special rule suffers an additional minus two to their courage value. So that could, yeah, you could really, if you, you're going to play this army fairly close together, I imagine, a lot of the time, especially when it's low model count, you don't want to be spreading them around. Um, I imagine you can really get even heroes' courage down to the point where they're um, where they're breaking. That's that's quite cool. Uh, what's the next yeah. special? What's the next special rule? So, Screech the Nazgul. Uh, each Ringwraith can once per game cast the channeled version of the transfixed magical power without declaring a heroic channeling. This magical power is automatically cast, counting the result as a six, and no will points are expended. Target models can make a. Res- this test as normal. Make sure to note which of the ring race models have used this ability as each ring race can only use this ability once per game. So you can get up to nine channeled transfix for free, essentially. That's quite good, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's pretty bloody good. 
I like that, and that's and I love the Phoebe side of it. I love that kind of you know you hear the screech, you think of the moments when the, the the fear that the screech does in the film at so many different points. Um, I love it. Uh, it gives them a little bit of an extra dimension. Uh, next special role, the will of Sauron. Having sent the Black Riders to locate the ring, Sauron has focused all his energy into sustaining them. Friendly ring wraith models do not lose a will point for being in combat, combat as per their will of evil special rule. So that's quite big as well, isn't it? So will of evil's got a, a, a fairly negative special rule for wraiths, and this just just gets rid of that essentially, which means that yeah, that's huge. About. So it's going to change the way you maybe set up your your wraiths and how many will. If you're used to playing um, lists with wraiths and you're adding lots of will to help them with that, then you could spell that, spend that will on other things couldn't you yeah it's definitely worth doing particularly if you can start tanking will if you're playing this at larger points yeah well you might be you might be you can make them more fighty then can't you, you can actually spend that where you would have been spending on will needing to keep them alive as essentially extra wounds um you you, you might be spending more on on might or even on fate or something so i i've yeah i can see that really changes the way that people might write these lists um <laughs> It's not bad at all. It also stops the swamp where people just chuck loads and loads of models into them, rely on them, kill enough with their one attack, and yeah. whittle down by will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm really you're you're working on a Hobbit version of of wraiths. I've, as I say, never played them or really played against them much. So, if you're listening to this and you've got some theory, and you do play them and you've got some theories on how these changes are good or worse, then please let us know because I'm very interested to see what people think of these. Um, uh, next special rule: So, hunt the ring bearer at the start of the fight phase before other heroic actions are declared. If it would be possible for a friendly ring wraith model to charge an enemy model with the one successful heroic combat that ring wraith model may declare a heroic combat without spending might only one ring wraith can declare a free heroic combat in this way per turn if successful the ring wraith that declared the heroic combat must charge the enemy model with the one ring uh though any other models that move as part of the heroic combat may act as normal the player who declared this free heroic combat automatically wins the role to see which heroic combat goes first if applicable though they must select this free heroic combat before any others so very it's cool. quite interesting. It's cool. It's interesting. It's themey. If you play against uh, um, forces with with the one ring, obviously, if you don't, it's not not going to come up. But it's uh, it's like a a Brucey bonus special rule rather than a army defining one, I'd say. Um, whereas things like the the other three special rules before that um, really kind of change the way that the the list play in in all games but um that I, I do like that it's very very cool um so but yeah i'll be i'd be really interested to see what people think about that and how that will compare of doing the list by yourself and being able to take the name wraiths and be able to take the crown and do the buffs do the special rules that this give you make them better or worse in your opinion i'll be very interested i'm sure it'll be covered uh, but very interested to hear what people think, people that are used to playing them against them or, or, or using them themselves. Um, and that brings us on to the last of the legendary legions. So we have Kirith Ungol. Um, and this is, uh, I like this, this is another kind of themey one in the vein of the uh, the the the, the ugly, um, um, Lurch's scouts, etc. etc. Um, so who's in this one then, Dan? So we've got Shagrat, captain of uh, Kirith Ungol. Uh, Gorbag, Orc Captain, Shelob, uh, Mordorokai Captain, Orc Shaman, 
Orc Captain, Orc Warrior, and Mordor Urukai. So pretty much what you'd expect from everything we've heard in the books and in the film, yeah. with the addition of a massive great big spider. And that's the thing, isn't it? So you're you're looking at we, there's an average scenario we talked about earlier with Sam and it as the kind of um, as the the extra extra model in part of a fight between the two sides of this, but this is one army to use together. Um, so additional rules. So a Kirithangal force must always include Shagrat, captain of Kirithangal and Gorbag. So you've got to have both of those models in there, um, which is quite cool. So I suppose um, you're using up points there, so it stops you kind of just taking one and then Shalob maybe. Um, I like it though. Uh, you you you'd want you're going to have all three if you're going to play this this army you're going to want to have both of those and Shalob aren't you? I think she's such a beast. Um, I can't imagine you wanted to take the army without her. To be honest with you. Um, so special rules, um, Dan. Do you want to kick us off with the first one? So animosity. Friendly orc models gain the bonus of plus one to wound in the fight phase if they're involved in the same fight as a friendly or a kai model. Friendly or a kai models gain a bonus of plus one to wound in the fight phase if they're involved in the same fight as a friendly orc model. So essentially, it's uh, the competitive streak coming out to the. Uh, I love it. Great to, yeah, it's it's not good for anyone else. <laughs> no, this is this is far flung from the animosity days of of um, Warhammer Fantasy's green skins when they'd end up fighting and going off the table. This is a, a good kind of animosity. A bit like the 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 uh, an orcish version of the rivalry between um, Legolas and, and Gimli, isn't it? It's, it's cool. I love it. Themey does something in the game, not groundbreaking, but just just really good. Just adds some real, gives them a good buff and a good boost, but keeps it within the theme of the army. Just all it's one of those night makes me smile kind of all just just all makes sense. Um, does something cool. Um, the next one, rivals for power, both Gorbang and Shagrank believe alone they should command Kirith Ungol and will fight all the harder to prove their dominance. Keep track of how many models Gorbag and Shagrank have each killed at any point. One of them has fewer kills than the other. The model may re-roll a single D6 when making a dual roll. So again, keeping that theme of the uh, the, the doing outdoing the other one, the same as I mentioned there with, with Gimli and Legolas in a, in, a, in a different way, but love it again. Really, really cool. Uh, what are we up to next? Oh yeah, she hungers for sweeter meats. Shilob adds plus one to attacks characteristic when involved in a fight with an enemy man, elf, dwarf, or hobby model. Oh, this is where the um, the memes have come out when they pictured. There's a picture of Shalob next to uh, and like four female um, models, and uh, you know with the one was it Drake when he's like like looking away and then. You know the, the meme I mean? Is yeah, I'm, I'm aware. I don't think I've actually seen that particular one, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm getting not, where you're going. Not happy with that one, but then it's because uh, it's because it says man, elf, dwarf, and hobbit, doesn't it? It's uh, it's still cool. I like it. Um, not good if you're a uh, man, elf, dwarf, or hobbit, um, but um, it does make sense. Again, another cool themey theme-y, um rule. And the last one is she is always hungry. Shalob has an insatiable appetite and constantly looks to feed when she can. At the start of a move phase, so long as she is not engaged in a fight, Shalob can choose to kill and remove a friendly model within one inches of her from the board. If she does so, Shalob can re-roll any number of dice when making a June roll. So if you're in a situation where Oh, there's loads of situations you want to use that, but if you've definitely, if you your uh, you feel that your your numbers um, are high enough that you can lose the adult model, um, it could be very very cool, especially going into a really important fight. Um, love it. I I don't I, I don't. This one's not as easy to see how competitive it will be. Um, I'm sure it's going to be 
usable in a match play sort of scene. Um, but definitely fits. I, I, I'm a big fan of the theme of all of these legendary legions. I think they've um, all hit the nail on the head of what they're trying to achieve. Um, yeah, like them all. Really like the. I don't know which my favourite is. I think it's probably still the Fellowship one, but that's probably because I lean towards good rather than evil armies. But um, Black, Black Riders. Riders. Yeah, you, you, you'd say that. I'm assuming then if uh, if if they release the uh, the mounted the mounted nine, you may be tempted to uh, give this one a go. Yeah, although bloody horses. I hate painting horses. <laughs> uh, yeah, airbrushes are okay. They're all dull horses as well. It's not like you've got to paint any nice white ones or something, is it? You can. Uh, they're all sort of dull. But I think the ones for the studio paint jobs, they're, they're sort of browns, aren't they? I know for the... They all look very black, don't they, for the um, film versions. Though I wouldn't want to paint them black if I was painting black robes. You want them to stand out, so I'd probably go for dark browns or something. But there's ways. Pre-shade and then using, uh, using contrast paints. Um thin down Saigor brown it's beautiful colour for doing like leathery effects and things um, with a good pre-shade on those horses and then Saigor brown you get a really nice effect I think um, so that's that's the end of the kind of the, the match play side of things and then I mean, we've we've got the Weathertop Masterclass at the end of the book, and we're not going to review that. It's you know, it's it's not much to say about it. It's it's a nice um, how to paint a two hundred and sixty odd pound um, forge weld, beautiful forge weld um, Weathertop kit. You know, can't really say much more about it than than that. There's not a lot of text around it that'll be worth kind of talking about as such. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on it. I thought we'd 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 skip back to the next thing after that. But I just wanted to sort of cover that off really. Um in terms of a review, it's a nice end to the book. But before that we've got the fantasy fellowship bit. I know you were excited about this bit, Dan. Yeah, um I'm really liking this. When the when this book was was announced, this was the thing that, that excited me least not because I thought it was a bad idea, just because I'm so excited about the other parts of the book, so to speak. But you, you really excited behind the theory of 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 what this could be, and I'm definitely warming to it. Yeah, I think a lot of it to do with um, one being able to make it your own, um, looking at alternative timelines. So, what if Gandalf was able to determine the nature of the Ring when Bilbo first found it, and they set out during that time? To destroy it yes yeah. so who would accompany him um and then also just who answered the call who answered the summons to to rivendell i'd imagine there were more summons sent i can't imagine that he wouldn't have tried to speak to other noble lines maybe imra hill yeah other people from the woodland realms or you know what if um you know tarryl's bound to have been kicking about what if they sent her <laughs> Who's she? That's for you, Damien. That's for you, for Damien. Yes. Well, I, I hope remember. so. I don't remember her in the book. I don't know what you're on about. Well, no, no. <laughs> but um, you never know. It's, it's, uh, this, this is giving the opportunity to explore that. Um, <laughs> you know, what happens if, you know, Billy and Killy were still alive? Yeah, yeah, no. I I I agree actually. When I really thought about it, it was just because it was like, oh, that's cool. But I'm so excited about the rest of it. I didn't really give it its due care and attention. I think partly it's because I I can see myself playing the odd game with it for fun. Um, I also like the idea of a fantasy fellowship event where people have a points limit, of course, but 
all bring their own fantasy fellowships. That could be a really fun alternative style event. And I'd be interested to see if anyone does something like that. Um, but there is a campaign for it as well, isn't there? That it's kind of a an adapted campaign that matches, not completely matches, but matches you know, to a certain extent the, the 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 campaign at the beginning of the book for the for the regular fellowship. And that's the bit probably that makes me think if I was going to do a whole linked campaign, I'd rather do the narrative one at the front rather than one for the fantasy fellowship. But saying that, I am actually quite excited about trying to work out my own fantasy fellowship. And like you, I'd probably want to go down more down the route of an alternative plausible history rather than a kind of let's just go for pick whatever random characters I like because I think they'll go together in a, in a, in a good way so to speak um, and I've got a few ideas knocking around our head but we're we're actually going to do a, a show segment on this aren't we in a couple of episodes time where we um, explore the rules behind creating a fantasy fellowship and what you have to do and also come up with our own and talk through our choices and things like that so um, we're not going to go too much detail into this now not, but not because we're not 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 interested by it, but just because we wanted to um, obviously make a good segment out of it. But but essentially, you pick your own ring bearer, don't you? You pick a companion, and then you have to pick uh, your your other seven members. Um, yeah, according to certain rules, and then there is a campaign structure behind it, and yeah, certain characters, for instance, Boromir dies, so the replacement for Boromir at that stage in the campaign also dies. Also dies. <laughs> so you have to think about things carefully. Um, it's a lot of fun. I think yeah, it deserves more than a cursory flick through, and yes. I've got some really good ideas for it. I'm really looking forward to trying some of it out. Yeah, I'd imagine Sam's the same. Yes. Well, when we spoke to him about it, I don't think he really re- originally realised it was in the book, and um, he was very excited about it. It was definitely the bit that he kind of put up most about. So, um, sort of really appeals to his sort of D and D style of in- enjoyment of things. So, I think that's what we're going to do. So, um, we're we'll, we'll, in the next couple of shows. We're going to be doing, um, providing something doesn't go wrong. We're going to be um, playing the Weathertop game and. We'll give that a bit of a deep delve in terms of a scenario and talk about playing it, but we'll also do a, a segment on um, the Fantasy Fellowship and we'll go into the creation rules a little bit more um, and then we'll create our own and, like I said, talk about our, the reasons why we, we, we've done it. Um, but definitely a, a cool, really fun way of ending a very, very cool book. And um, I suppose that brings us on to summing up the book um, and uh, what you feel about it as a whole. I'm not going to mince for words. I simply think it is the best book they've done. Yeah. Hands down. It's the best book they've done. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. I'm trying to work out today. I've seen a lot of people say that, and I've been trying to work out today what what makes me agree and feel the same, really. Um, I was thinking about what are my favourite parts of the films, and do I have a favourite scene? And I don't know if I do. I like so many different parts from the films. Um, and I, he said, what's your favourite film? And I'd be like, some days I'd be thinking, well, I love the the, the charge at Pelennor, and but I really love Helm's Deep. And but then if I can only ever watch one again, I'd probably watch The Fellowship. And that first sort of forty five minutes in the Shire are some of my favourite bits, just because of the way it sets it up and it kind of that the, the nice nostalgia feel it gets to remind me of my childhood when I, when I first read the stories and things. So there's so many different elements I like about it. And and if I was I don't know, if I had to pick a scenario book out or pick a book out, I'd often, without thinking, you think, oh, I'll go for the ones with the big battles in because they are very cool to do the big battles. But in terms of an overall piece, um, and maybe it's partly because of the way the world is at the moment um, and some of these scenarios are a little bit more 
accessible to play remotely or you know smaller quicker things um, or at home maybe grabbing my son to play the farmer maggots or something but it just feels like it's all come at the right time as well but I, yeah this is this is my favorite out of the books that, that i own as well and uh, i'm more excited about the the narrative scenarios in this book than 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 some of the others i'm probably more excited about more of them than than some of the other books if that makes sense there's a higher percentage of them that i think oh, i really want to play this for a fun i really want to try it um and I, I mean, yeah I, I think it's encourages a side of this i'm far more interested in yeah that may be down to the fact that i've not actually had the opportunity since really getting involved in this game to actually do any match play which you know there's nobody's fault it, you know no one's expecting covid to drop in on us was it no no i mean you've done match play in terms of playing small games using picking a scenario and doing it that way but you've not you've yeah, not played at an event have you it's events isn't it it's that's you know as with every other game system i've played you've got your garage gaming you've got a, a bit of pseudo match play but in order to really gain that sort of match play experience it's going and meeting new people and playing people you've never played before playing armies you've never played before yeah so yeah. Yeah. This is far more my side of the hobby, at least at the moment. So the fact it's, it almost entirely feeds that is perfect for me. Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about it, but it's it, it, like you say, it feels accessible with the numbers of miniatures for a lot of them. Um, there are obviously bigger ones there where you think, oh, that's a lot. But even if you don't have any of the miniatures, you could pick quite, you could buy yourself a fellowship and the odd model here and there, and you could pay a, a large chunk, maybe a third or more of these, maybe even half of these scenarios without needing much more, um, which is, again, is quite accessible for newer players. And, and, I, uh, and I'm not the first person to mention this. I know Damien's mentioned this on Battle Streams and things as well, but it feels a bit like some of the journey books. Um, and it is, you know, it's obviously taking you on the journey of the ring bearer, but it feels a bit like you're smart with some smaller numbers and things, and it feels like you can build towards the bigger collections and the bigger battles and things. Um and yeah, I think it's it's accessible to people with different size collections, um, with different experience as well. Because those smaller scenarios, you can use them as learning games as well for people. Um, learning the because the, there's so few models involved, you can really get your head around using the mechanics of the game. Um, I I just think it's got so much to offer. Um, fantastically well done, and um, yeah, we do sound like we're um, our noses are a little bit up backsides of of of, uh, of of rob and jay and the rest of the middle earth team but um, yeah, credit where credit's due really love this book really really cool and, and i'm really enthused at a time where it's quite difficult you know where we you know we said we had plans for throne of skulls which isn't going to happen so i'm still doing my project but that's been pushed next year that we were going to do our helms deep game and i know we could get together and do it officially we're still in parts of the country where that is allowed but it feels a stretch for us and not something we want to do either until, until next year when things are feel a bit better so some of our plans are a little bit paused and it feels like now that there's still this book gives me a bit of a focus now um, for the winter i've got most of the models for it i can do a couple of bits of scenery building i can build a bit of river and buckleberry ferry and i can play that one and you know i don't need to buy lots and lots of models i've got the more i've got the moria stuff so i can maybe turn that into a little project so it just feels like i've got a winter project now and this book kind of supports that which is which is cool i'm looking forward to sort of delving into it and we will be covering it on shows shows as we've already said talking about the narratives and areas and things yeah definitely it's um gonna be good cool right well that's a good old nearly two hours worth of reviewing the book so thank you for those of you that have, have stuck with us <laughs> and
and we're back with another heroic death match. And as already spoiled at the beginning of the show, we have Samwise Gamgee versus Schmeagol stroke Gollum. Um, and we'll we'll clarify that in a, in a moment because there is a pretty much the same profile, but it is a very very slight difference. So we'll we'll talk about that. But um, shall I shall I talk through Samwise first then? Because I'm Dan's being the the underdog as usual, and which ten, tends to mean the evil person quite a lot. Don't know what that says about you, Dan. Um, but um, I'll go everything through, and nothing. <laughs> I'll go through um, go through Samwise now, and then we can kind of talk about um, talk about Gollum. Um, so Samwise Gamgee is a Hobbit infantry hero of fortitude at forty points. He's moved four, fight three, three, strength two, defense three, attacks one, wounds two. Um, courage six and it's two 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 on might will and faith and i haven't given him an introduction of who he is but if you're listening to this and you don't know who samwise gamgee is then um then go and read up read up and you'll probably wonder what we're talking about anyway um so as he's war gear he has a dagger he has strike and strength as heroic actions he can purchase an elven cloak which he obviously hasn't got today and it wouldn't make any difference even if he did he is resistant to magic um, he has the throw stones ability as hobbits do um, and then his special rule he has let him go or I'll have you long shanks um, which basically um, means that he will protect Frodo from, from any danger no matter what the cost is basically so, again we're not going to be using that in this in this game so he's he's a hobbit isn't he he's um, he's yeah. weak he has uh, he's, he's one attack he's um not going to do an awful lot. Um, strike might be, you know, one of his better benefits. Um, but let's talk about the Smeagol Gollum thing. Over to you, Dan. Well, uh, we have Smeagol. He is a hobbit also, although you wouldn't tell to look at him. He is infantry and he's an independent hero. So he's movement five, fight four, four plus, strength and defense four, two attacks, two wounds, courage of four, one might, zero will, one fate. So for war gear, Smeagol has strong strangling fingers, so he's never considered unarmed, ever. He is a cave dweller, and his special rule is serve the master of the precious. So Smeagol may only be taken if Frodo is also in the same army. So that's for your match play games. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now that represents him, obviously, at the time of uh, War of the Ring, when he is... Uh, well, basically throughout the, the main books of Lord of the Rings, but particularly when he is kicking around with Sam and Frodo, uh, when he's in Athelion, etc. So there is also his profile of Gollum, which is from the Hobbit era. Yes. So we'll just go through him. He remains completely unchanged um, in terms of being a Hobbit infantry and hero independent. He has exactly the same stat line in terms of his uh, movement 5, fight 4, 4+, plus, strength defense 4, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, 4 courage, 1 might, 0 will, 1 fate. He has war gear strangling fingers, so mm. it doesn't mention that he's un- not considered unarmed, but his strangler special rule essentially gives him that, so effectively no change again. The other change is obviously he... Frodo wasn't even a, a twinkle in his daddy's eye in uh, <laughs> at that point, really. So um, he doesn't get the rule that he has being uh, served the master of the precious, but he does have the precious. So if another ring bearer is not on the table, then Gollum gets the ring, and that is why he is thirty-five points to Smeagol's thirty. 
yeah, it's, five, it's a five points increase there. It's interesting the the war gear bit, and someone that more more versed on the game will probably be able to explain why. But from it's uh, it does the same thing, but having the strangler as a special rule rather than and strangling fingers is war gear rather than the uh, the, the Schmeagol version where it just says that his strong strangling fingers means he's never considered as unarmed. Essentially, does the same things, but this one's a special rule. One's just a description in the war gear, so. I don't know why they're different across the two profiles, even though, the, sorry, they're not different. The rule's the same, but the why they're written in a different way. Someone might be able to tell us that. So if you do, let me know. Um, but, um, yeah, um, how do you think it's going to go? I don't know. Obviously, points-wise, he is the underdog. Yes. He doesn't have the heroics, so that could give Sam the edge, particularly with his two might. Yeah. Um, but... For instance, I'm I'm wounding or you know on my on my strikes on a four. four yeah, Samwise on to a your five. It's it's whether those the one more might and having strike um can uh, you got two attacks as yeah. well, haven't you? So I don't know. I feel I feel that Gollum's actually not the underdog in a straight up fight for them. Obviously, in terms of an overall sure. profile, it's it's well, maybe it's different. But I feel, you know, if it, I feel that maybe you're not the underdog in this in terms of the way you know the way we're going to play it, the way in in this microcosm of this one little matchup. Um, but isn't Smeagol always the underdog? That is his lot in life. <laughs> Poor old Smeagol. You've got a higher fight to start with anyway, as well. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We, I think we were assuming underdog just because of the the. You know the ten points cheaper there, but I'm not so sure. Even with thirty five points, if you imagine him, the the Gollum version and having the ring as well, um, I don't know. I feel I feel that uh, that the Gollum's really can be quite useful and really really good. So, um, yeah, I am. Um, I think this could go either way. Like we say, it's one of those ones that uh, um, they're not so miles apart that um, you can almost you know. We were talking about how to go make make Sam fight Shaylob for to 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 do that fantastic matchup, and I'm painting that model at the moment. It made me think a little bit about it, but that would be harder to to balance. Whereas this, yeah, I could see it going either way, just depending on who's lucky or unlucky with dice, really. So I've got out my one ring microwave dice, <laughs> <laughs> which I can't find where I've put. I've I've hidden it under my iPad cleverly. Um, but should we go? Should we get going? Absolutely. So I, are you going to heroic? I am going to strike. Um, I, I need to. And let's see what I roll. I've rolled six. <laughs> uh, you fight six now compared to my fight four. Yes. Dice shall have it. Let's go. I've scored a six. Wow. Two or three. Oh, right. I do win that one. You do. So, fours up. I have one six. And I'm going to use my one point of might to turn my three into a four so oh. I've got any other use for it so that puts both your fate points to the test sir it certainly does let's do one at a time for some fun first one failed second Ooh. one failed he is dead and is that our Strangled quickest to death. is that our <laughs> quickest one yet Sam was all bluster I'll get you and they just strangled him he's dead crumbs is <laughs> on his jackets is no more what a time <laughs> for me to reverse my uh, fortunes <laughs> with the Trixie Smeagol so obviously he wasn't Smeagol in this instance. It was Gollum fully in control and he made good his promise to poke out its <laughs> eyes. 
Um, I think, like we said before, and I think, um, I, I don't think that, that there is an underdog thing there. I think it's, uh, I, I, yes, it's nice having a strike, but you, 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 you're rolling one dice versus two. Um, and that's quite big when, uh, when you order your fight down anyway. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think that was about right, really. I think if you're rolling double the dice and someone will tell me the odds on this, but I think Gone is more likely to win just that little basic fight match up there more times than Sam is, really. Um, what do you reckon if you're running him as uh, Sam Shire, Scouring of the Shire? Yeah, yeah, that might be different. I think it, it's with so Sting. On. I think yeah, yeah we 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 were thinking. I suppose keeping it to narrative wise, we were talking about when we were about Sam and how he could take on Shalob, and we're thinking, well, there isn't a profile for one with the vial of, of Flat Gladriel and and Sting. But if we gave him those kind of things, could we find things that would actually help him fight that battle? Uh, in terms of sticking to the law. I don't think you change that profile, would you? I think you could give him stuff like that, but at no point did he have those things in the film too. When they had his scuffle, um, uh, at the end he did. He did. he got got him across the chest with uh, Sting on the uh, the foot the, the foot of Mount Doom. Did he? Oh, yes, he did actually, didn't he? I'm remembering it wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, we could do. Yeah, that would make a difference. Obviously, Sting would make a difference. But um, yeah, um, I'm I'm not surprised. I think when you're at that lower level, when you know, we were talking about uh, um, two wound characters and 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 their low end characters, I think the amount of dice you roll is 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 quite big. If you had no might, um, I think that would have been a bit more even then. But I think having the one might there, which you use perfectly, exactly how I would have done it, you want to no point in holding back at that point you're putting the fate under pressure but it's uh it's it's i think it would have been hard for sam to cause two wounds on you while not receiving any at all you would have to get some but he's a fun i think you this. microwaved your dice the wrong way well i got i used my six up didn't i, I used my six up and in my uh for my uh my strike and uh yeah it's but yeah, it's chucking one dice, isn't it? I think every time we've done this and one person's had one dice or someone's got more, it's always the person with that attacks that characteristic is is huge. And that's a very obvious thing to say, but yeah, of course it is. Especially if they count as their own banner, the rerolls. Especially the more dice you're effective. Yes, you just force multiplier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it was short and sweet, which is probably good because these don't provide much use other than giving us something a little bit of fun to do. But uh, um, we will go out for a break now and come back and close the show out. And here we are again, a very short close down after a longer show. Um, so just time to say um, goodbye and thank you for listening again. And um, please do get in contact with us with any thoughts on the book. If you've had it, tell us what you feel about it. Tell us about um, this, what scenarios you want to play, um, what legend legions you like. Um, answer our questions about you know the, the, the factions you play and you, you feel the legend legion has improved your faction and given you a new way of playing or, or it's not as good as. Let us know. We'd like to hear both sides of that. Uh, so Dan, have you got anyone you want to shout out before we um, head off? 
just the uh, usual people. So um, pop on over to the Legion of Peterborough Wargamers on Facebook. Uh, join the community. Uh, talk about some Middle Earth. There's a few more people who have joined recently, and uh, there has been some talk about Middle Earth in there, which is always good to hear or see, I suppose, at the moment. So, yeah, pop on over and uh, give it a like and uh, get involved. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, I want to give out a shout out to another podcast. So, um, so Don Barnett of uh, OSBGL fame. Um, I chat to Don a little bit on on Messenger. Um, we we're talking about three D printing and things recently. So, um, he was really really nice to see that he's uh, he's started his own podcast. I know that was mentioned on the stream the other night as well. I'd already listened to it by that point, but um, really really cool. So, north of the Shire. I know it's been submitted to iTunes. I haven't double checked yet. I listened to it directly on Podbean when I when I did. But if you if you search for North of the Shire, I have believe I've already put the link in the show notes. If not, I will try and do so before I post up, so you can go and find it. Um, but uh, um, can, Canadian um, scene, but um, very very good, worth a listen. And we have even more SPG podcasts. And, which is fantastic. And then also um, what was formerly Top Table Gaming, Ben. So Ben was, uh, what, what episode was that? Was that 16 or was it earlier than that? No, 14 or something. When Ben and Steve were on anyway from Top Table Gaming. Um, Ben's been on the show before. He has obviously left Top Table Gaming since then and set up his own channel. Um, so if you search for Benji's Hobbies, um, have a have a go and have a search for that on YouTube. He's already got a great first video of him basically converting in his shed into a really really cool hobby room and he's filmed it so well it looks the video's beautiful he's done a really good job of it um very very watchable um i think he's got a second video coming up now so go and check that out and then also we had ben stanley on um and he mentioned that his channel wooden spoon warriors would start putting videos up and i think they have their first well i've watched i know they have because i've watched them they've got their first couple of videos up now as well so that's ben um has got his channel up as well so wooden spoon warriors so do head over and find them on um youtube as well and give those videos a watch um other than that usual stuff so please head over to our facebook page give us a like um, always good get involved you'll see when we post up new shows and things there you can join our facebook group as well there are links to the show notes for both of those and uh, always good to get involved with the chatter you can follow us on instagram at ootfp podcast um, and on twitter at ootfp you can email us at ootfp podcast at gmail.com check out our youtube channel as well i did do a brief 20 minute overview um, more of an unboxing of this book than a full review um, but i flick through the pages and give my first impressions of it after taking the cellophane off so if you haven't bought the book and you've listened to the review and you want a bit of a visual of it go and head over and have a look um the um you know just a friendly reminder as well that we obviously had matt davis on the last show and we he we launched a a competition which you could win 500 points worth of basis um you head over and listen to our last show if you haven't already to remind you how you can enter that competition um but there's still, we haven't had many entries yet, so there's uh, plenty of chances for people to win a lot of very, very cool generation shift bases. So if you missed out on that, um, get your entries in soon. But other than that, thank you very much again, and we'll catch you soon.